Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Welcome back to the Anime World Order Podcast. This is show number 143, our first episode of 2016. And we, I guess, missed the 10-year anniversary of our own podcast. <laughs> we did get a couple of congratulatory messages on Twitter and such, so uh, thanks. And uh, we hope to hopefully make it to like episode 150 by the end of this year. I know most podcasts hit that in two or three, but fuck it. I'm Daryl Surratt. <laughs> I'm Gerald Rathgold, and I want to say it is quality over quantity. That's what we're about here. At least that's what we like to tell ourselves. <laughs> and I'm Clarissa. And so on the Anime World Order podcast for the last decade and change, we've been talking about Japanese animation, Japanese comics. A lot of stuff has changed. A lot of stuff has stayed the same. Uh, a lot of stuff that we thought would never come to pass is now normal. It's a little bit of a weird ride. Uh, not sure how many people have been listening to us from the beginning. Uh, I'm sure some of you who started at the beginning are now like grown ups with families. Not us. We are all in exactly more or less the same place as we were <laughs> back when we started doing a podcast. I'm okay with this. I was happy when I started. We did not, like most of the popular shows, get like this deluge of congratulatory messaging, and that's okay because we believe in quality over quantity. And to that end, I'll take a look at some of the emails we got. This one is from Helen McCarthy. I've heard of her. Needs no introduction. Helen McCarthy, of course, the author of the Anime Encyclopedia, uh, along with Jonathan Clements, and also the author of you know the manga cross-stitch book, which I did get for Carissa as a Christmas present, so now she has no excuse but to... Uh, so you say she needs no introduction, and you give her an introduction? I said she didn't need it. I didn't uh. say she wasn't going to get it. Okay. <laughs> And here's what she writes. What? AWO has reached double figures already? In terms of years, I guess. The perpetrators have grown from twisted teens fresh out of high school into dark masters of the levers of power and influence. For the record, we started this podcast in our mid-20s, but <laughs> the mid-20s are the new teenage years, uh, if you haven't been paying attention. So anyone who's in their 20s, you're still a child. Not when we started. We were in our mid-20s. We were, we were adults. And so that's, that's the difference between then and now. Uh, she continues, The podcasts have flown out into the web and broken its invisible bonds and floated far into the universe where they've been heard keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own. And these same intelligences have thought, if that's how they podcast, they're dangerous. We're staying the feck away from that planet. Congratulations, <laughs> AWO. You've saved the world. Love, Helen McCarthy. Aww. And really, if that was the only congratulatory message that we had ever gotten, that would be sufficient. We also got a congratulatory message from Giles Poitras, 
otaku librarian, the original gangsta, and here is Clarissa Daryl and Gerald. Many congratulations on 10 years of podcasting. I always look forward to each posting and will shamelessly crib ideas for my next book or two from your work. And really, that's what academia is all about. Exactly. Shamelessly cribbing ideas from other people. <laughs> that's what all creativity is about. It's I just agree. stealing things from people in a way that it's not obvious. <laughs> steal from enough people and it's research. Yes. <laughs> or steal from the guy who's much smaller and less well-known and then claim it as your own. That's how I do it. That too. <laughs> That's how Ben Dunn does it, right? The ninja high school way back when nobody knew what Arisei Atsura was or nobody could get the tapes except for him. We also did get, believe it or don't, congratulatory messages from people who have not been on the show or worked professionally in the anime industry and so here's an example of one this one is from a gentleman <laughs> who calls himself wretched lout and, and this is really <laughs> sounds know, like an awo listener exactly and he writes wow 10 full years running that is quite the accomplishment even if you don't admit it since you guys have been doing this for such a long time it got me interested in the statistics and data analysis side of things so i wrote a quick little script to get every title duration, and date of every podcast you have ever done. The data plots are attached. If you are interested in any other analysis of the podcast or want me to send you the data, I would be happy to do so. You have done 212 episodes of AWO, although you're oh only up to, at the time you wrote this, number 141. That is 171 regular episodes for a total of 251.3 hours and 41 bonus episodes clocking in a total of 45.6 hours for a grand total of 296.974 hours. 300 hours is 24 hours a day for 12.5 days, so about 3.5% of a year, or about 900 anime episodes, or about the equivalent of 70 full 13-episode series. Awesome. That is uh, the level of dedication that our listeners are expected to provide at all times. <laughs> we salute you, sir. <laughs> he does, in fact, have a graph charting the years from uh, its cumulative show length over time. Does that gradually increase? So, you know, the early episodes were, were much, much longer. And so the, the curve is the steeper thing. And then as we decided, hey, we don't need to do as long installments, then it sort of leveled out. But it's still a pretty imposing slope. And then the scatter chart is just all over the fucking place. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is great. We won't dignify ourselves that way by bringing note to that one. <laughs> this is pretty fantastic. We got some short ones. Here's a short one. Okay, this one it says, Hello, AWO crew. My name is Jose, and I'm from Texas. I'm somewhat a new fan of your podcast. I started listening at the end of 2014, right after I finished watching the recently re-released complete series of Captain Harlock, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, the original, because I hoped to find like-minded individuals that enjoyed truly good anime. He has good in air quotes. I wonder if he didn't like Space Pirate Captain Harlock. I, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a slow show. You could probably cut out about half of it and still get to the same spot, but Captain Harlock's got to blow shit up. Continue. So I was pleasantly surprised that I had done just that. After listening to all of your backlog episodes in just a couple of months, your podcast taught me so much about the fandom in the early days of anime, both in Japan and here in the United States. I loved hearing the interviews with older fans, industry people, voice actors, and writers, while at the same time becoming more and more inspired, forever fueling my passion for anime. I enjoyed watching a lot of the recommended titles, especially the ones that I had never heard of, like Ringing Bell, Otaku no Video, Macross... Remember, you, start, you never heard of Macross and you started listening in the year 2014. I just want everyone to know that's how poisonous Harmony Gold is. He continues, Megazone huh. 2, 3, 
and many others. I was never into the super mainstream anime titles, so being pointed in the direction of these hidden gems renewed my faith in anime. Also, your podcast and its personal stories have been so inspirational that I've been thinking of getting back into my passion of drawing visual novels. Oh, wait, why am I reading? Uh, all right, well, we've gotten this far, visual novel dreamer. I thank you for making my monotonous factory job almost enjoyable in a way. I always eagerly await the next episode of the podcast, and here's to 10 years, and hopefully more to come. Thank you, Jose. I don't actually hate visual novels, uh, just as long as you are not on the visual novel pay scale in which you are paid per kilobyte of text. <laughs> oh my god. Right. But good luck with making yours. Yeah, just make it concise and to the point when you write. This other one actually is pretty concise. Uh, this is uh, 10 Years of Podcasting. Dear Daryl, Gerald, and Clarissa, hello, I am Dominic, and I have been an avid listener for the roughly the past nine years. My first time writing in. I started listening in the summer or fall of 2006. At the time, being 12 years old when we were cursing up a storm, <laughs> and in middle school, having only a very basic understanding of anime. Stumbling onto your podcast completely by chance while in the Zune store. There were Zune stores? <laughs> I guess it's like the online Zune repository of where the podcasts were, not like the uh, physical <laughs> the brick physical and mortar store. Like, <laughs> yes. or the Apple store. You know, the Zune store, no. Not knowing what a podcast was, but seeing the words free plus anime plus explicit... Made 12-year-old me have to listen. If anyone had told me the journey we would take over basically the next decade, I would not have believed them. Y'all have taught me so much about anime, manga, and saved me from the dark specter that is Moe. I could have easily have become that guy. You know the one. Yes, that guy. But there was the AWO, my guiding light, in a sea of anime and manga suck. Going from an awkward tween to awkward teen to awkward adult... You three and your podcast have become a constant part of my life. Ten years of podcasting, never really asking for money, fame, or even for us to agree with your opinions. It's been a great ten years. I don't say this lightly. My life would be a lot different had this podcast never come into it. A part of the reason the person who writes you now is a functional member of society is because of you three. We all have come a long way, and to get to the point of this email... Thanks for everything, and Happy New Year. With regards, Dominic. If we have spared the world... I noticed that he didn't say better. He just said his life would have been different. Different, yeah. He's not saying, <laughs> yes. like, my life is improved by the fact that I've got, like, all these DVD sets and Like, all my life time. would have been different if I hadn't been hit by that car. <laughs> you don't say better. You just say it would have been different. <laughs> oh, there's just this one that's basically one sentence, but I want to read it anyway because it's kind of important. And this person just says, Hi, Anime World Order Podcast. I know you've been doing some great activities for some years, and I really appreciate that. And the only reason I say that is because that was sent to us by Toshio Maeda, the writer of Legend of the Overfiend. The tentacle master himself. The tentacle master, who is aware that we exist. That is pretty amazing. It is tremendous. Just so this doesn't sound like an endless love fest, uh, which even though that's really what we deserve, the truth <laughs> of the matter is uh, we, we can read this one here. To the once and future podcast that is AWO, Happy New Year. I hope that by some miracle of heavenly providence, you will learn to become a little less pedantic and more flexible in the new year. Video games, anime, movies, and television. These are all entertainment outlets that should ideally bring people together rather than separating them into ghettos. Regards, <laughs> GB Scar. Um, <laughs> 
So I'm not sure what the intent of this was. I don't know it, if he's... Is that maybe like thinking that we should branch out and do stuff on the podcast about other things? Could be. That's how I first interpreted it to be like, oh, why, why don't we talk about other things? Because we say like, oh, we're the Anime World Order podcast, so we're going to talk about Japanese animation and comics and not talk about the other stuff. Do we want to go the route of what SPJA yeah, now wants yeah, to go? Yeah, the Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation now is going to run <laughs> events that are not about the promotion of Japanese animation. They've quietly taken down their mission statement, quietly trying to get people to forget what SPJA stands for. Kind of like KFC's rebranding. They don't want people mm. to know it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. They don't want the Kentucky part of the fried chicken part. They just want you to know KFC. I don't know if this is the right way, but it is, I guess, where the money's at. I think there is an alternate reading of this email, which is to say that as an anime podcast, perhaps you're saying we are separating people into ghettos by saying some things are shit, which may very well be true. Yeah. Perhaps well, we I... are divisive, bomb-throwing malcontents in this anime podcasting world. And uh, yeah, I guess guilty as charged. I thought that was our mission statement, to throw bombs into the world of anime. Maybe. Or something like that. By and large, though, most of what we talk about is stuff that we like. By and large. Maybe our next episode won't be so positive? Maybe our New Year's resolution should be to not do that. Maybe we should just talk about things we hate. From now on. We run into the problem, the hardest thing is to review a show where you're just, eh, about it? Right. That is the hardest most difficult thing you are wrenching words out of yourself when you don't hate a show and you don't love a show it was just kind of eh. mm -hmm. that's difficult that's where the pros come we also got a couple of comments from people who are like they gave up listening to us long ago because we're so full of shit oh nice <laughs> A lot of these are more comments on the website, which is www.animeworldorder.com. It is a flaky, cheap, crappy blog, but the podcast episodes always are available if you subscribe to us through iTunes or through an RSS feed. Oddly enough, I think RSS feeds have sort of been like this technology of the internet that are vanished. Like it used to be integrated into the browsers. And now I don't know if it is anymore. I don't know if people use feed aggregators. It used to be in Google Chrome and it all started when a version of either it was Google Chrome or Firefox took out their feed aggregator. I think a large part of that, and this is my conspiracy theory, a large part of that was that... Ad views. Yeah, RSS feeds don't allow for ad revenues. You don't go to the website... You don't mm. see the ads. They yeah, have to and be a lot like, of times built now, in. I can't right. subscribe to news feeds for a bunch of sites anymore. They don't even offer a syndicated feed because they want you to go to the site again. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess some of it's switched over to like you follow on Twitter and get the updates on Twitter instead or things like that. They want the RSS feeds to have like a built in like every other thing is a picture of, I don't know, Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. But yeah, the RSS feeds, they're still around, but they're just not as prevalent. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's part of why, you know, it's a little harder for uh, audio-only podcasts to proliferate and also, you know, not coming out constantly. Yeah. I mean, there certainly are, like, readers, like Feedly and even Flipboard, I think, lets you add yeah. RSS feeds. So they still do have it. The hope is that they're provided. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been a long way, 10 years of, of doing this. And there were a lot of people, a lot of requests that for 10 years we should review something momentous, something that we never did before. We got a variety of suggestions of what that title should be for our 10-year commemorative episode. Some people were saying review out 
Outlaw Star, review Evangelion, review Root Search, review Madbull 34, etc., etc. Outlaw Star? That's not like the others. I think there's just still... Outlaw Star in the United States is like Saint Seiya in Japan. It was like on at the right time, like at the perfect Hmm. time that it was like this thing that people loved and have this great nostalgia for. Right, because it was like one of those Toonami shows, right? Or one of those Adult Swim shows. Yeah, it was exactly that. It aired on the Cartoon Network right around that Gundam Wing boom period time Mm -hmm. that a lot of people grew up on Outlaw Star as like this thing that was like, wow, anime, sci-fi, this is great kind of thing. And so they're holding out that Outlaw Star faith. On the other hand, one of the things that's really changed since the mid-2000s when we started the podcast is a lot of times when we would be doing things, we would cover stuff that nobody had heard of or nobody had been able to watch because it was out of print or it was out there and in print and people weren't watching it. And even though we try and do that now, it's a little trickier because of two things. One, and this is the good thing, a lot of stuff has been released now that we said, yeah. like, oh, it's mm-hmm. no longer there. Like before, like in the early episodes, like, oh, ringing bell. You couldn't mm-hmm. get that. Now it's on Rose of Versailles. Yeah. Yes. Rose of Versailles is there. You can just check Rose it out. Rose of Versailles is one of the biggest surprises, I think, that that would yeah. ever get licensed. Yeah. I mean, we're just, the only one is still <laughs> Macross because Harmony Gold is poisonous, <laughs> horrible organization. Shithole of a company. But <laughs> things like Root Search. Now it's one of those things that was never released on DVD and it was never put on streaming. And now there's like this whole cottage industry that's sort of come up of this other outlet of anime review, internet critic stuff that find all that stuff and drive it into the ground. And now maybe it's not as funny to talk about Angel Cop and, you know, Apocalypse Zero and what have you, just because everyone has done it. I only know of one or two of those things, and they're both horrible, some of the worst shit on the internet. Is there really, like, a large number of people? I think it's just the ones that are there are super popular, and so anything, like, if we were to do it, we'd just be like, oh, you're following the footsteps of this thing that's already done it. And I'm like, okay, well, if people already know, then they don't need to be told. Well, a lot of those guys don't even come up with it themselves. They basically they take go it to... take from Nadelman or Mike Tool or... Yes, they basically go to their panels and take all of their material... Or they have somebody who goes to their panels and then writes in to say, hey, go watch this. And so, you right. know, my my burning desire to tell everyone about Bonnie Hunter the Hard is a little <laughs> diminished by the fact that, you know, this is out there. And so I'll still throw it out there at panels. Yeah, I mean, it is a good thing that it is hard for us to come up with something that we would review that you just absolutely could not find. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a few, and that's why I'm like, oh, well, isn't that just being a dick to talk about, like, oh, the show's great and awesome, oh, you can't see it. Yeah, so I think it's kind of like, what's sort of the driving purpose of working on this now? To me, this exists, this is cool, and it's just as easy for you to see this as anything else you're watching. Just type a different thing into your search box. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I reviewed um, uh, Johnny's... uh Bobby's uh Bobby's in Bobby's girl trouble. Bobby's girl right there was no fan sub yet there was no fan sub at the time yet and now you can find a fan sub of it it's not been licensed yet but it's easily found if you search yes. for it is the thing you can watch that I mean I don't think we've ever officially reviewed Legend of the Galactic Heroes but now holy I think shit this year's the time because it's gonna come out and people mm. are gonna be able to see it I don't know how much of it 
is getting a release. We don't know what the details are, but holy shit, that was like the impossible thing. Yeah, I mean, that was like the big thing that everybody was like, we'll never come out here. Yeah, the common responses that I have for some of the things like why we never reviewed it is because in the time since the podcast started, we became writers for Otaku USA magazine. And a lot of times I review things for that. And so I would generally not review it here if I have it in the magazine. One of the things I reviewed was uh, Rosa Versailles. Another thing was the Revolutionary Girl Utena. And some of the remaining things, like in the latest issue that just came out, I finally reviewed Mobile Suit Gundam, which was one mm. of those things where I'm like, oh, nobody needs to hear about Mobile Suit Gundam. But there is a demand now that you can finally see the goddamn thing subtitled. In how it should be seen. Yeah, right. Like, again, another thing that we thought would never get a proper release over here. And mm -hmm. so now, really, the last things left are... <laughs> a lot of it is just shit that Harmony Gold just won't let go of. Right, or things like the older sports shows. Yeah, like, I'd still love to see Attack aim Number for the One. Ace. Well, Aim for the Ace at mm -hmm. least has been fan-subtitled in its entirety, yeah. and so we right. could conceivably... Star the Giants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would be curious if younger female anime fans would take to a lot of those shows that are have got, like, the shoujo 70s stuff, because those are such good shows. Right. And they're just so unavailable here. Yeah, I mean, part of it is they look old because they are. That is a factor for a lot of people. And some things, it just depends on what they're watching it for. And sometimes the tweaks that they've made over the years may not be present in the older shows. Uh, mm -hmm. It just depends. I, I don't really have a good answer for that. The only way to know is to, to put it out there and see what happens, right? Right. Yeah. And on that note, before we get into it, this episode of the Anime World Order podcast is brought to you by Nozomi Entertainment, which is the publisher that happens to be bringing to us a lot of these titles that we just mentioned, those things that we thought would never, ever see the light of day here in the United States. Nozomi Entertainment is the company that's bringing out Mobile Suit Gundam on Blu-ray and DVD once again to America after all this time, and some for the first time. Turn A Gundam is finally out in the United States. Zeta Gundam, phenomenal looking show, classic series. Blu-rays for that ship out soon, if not already, by the time you hear this. And they also have several classic anime titles, such as the aforementioned Rose of Versailles. But in addition to that, classics like Space Adventure Cobra, the TV show, the original Dirty Pair, and Dirty Pair Flash, both of which are also available streaming, so you don't have to just buy the set. You can try before you buy it. Revolutionary Girl Utena, plus several others that I like, such as Captain Tyler Yakitachi Japan, are all there for you to check out at www.nozomientertainment.com. And to purchase the DVDs and Blu-rays as applicable, head on over to rightstuffanime.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-S-T-U-F, anime.com. Incidentally, their sale this week is on Viz Media stuff, so if you want to stock up on manga like One Punch Man and the like, now's the time to do it. Anyway, let's get to the year in review. Now that we've celebrated 10 years of podcasting, it seems that every five years I can do like a, a recap of what has happened so far. But so much has happened in just the last year alone that I feel like maybe we could just stop and do like a, a year in review of 2015 and see like, well... So many shows came out in 2015 alone. 2015 was a damn good year. And I would contend, yes, that it was a super great year for anime. You always hear from people, every season is like the shittiest season or this is a bad year for anime. Every and someone single always, time. And then someone every always fires time. back, no, no, it's a great year and there's the same amount of hits or whatever. And sometimes people know, like maybe that's sort of a dishonest appraisal of the scenario where when people say the state of anime is what it is they're not necessarily ignoring the fact that there was a lot of crap because there was always a lot of crap 
what maybe what they're commenting on is the variety of what was good is less. And to that end, I would say 2015 was a really fucking good year for anime because I took inventory of like how many shows that I thought were pretty good came out. Yeah, I thought there were a pretty decent number. It was quite a few. And yeah. while it's true that, yes, more anime comes out per season now than ever before. It's over 100 shows now per year. At least 160, 150 or so shows that came out just in 2015, just for anime wise. And this is sort of like this double edged sword for anime fandom. And I think it's a blessing and a curse because there's always something new coming out. There's always new things that you can see. The trouble is that if something comes out and catches on, it may be quite a while before you see some more of it. Or it may be this thing that's great and awesome and wonderful. But then after three months or six months or whatever, it's over and done and it's Mm. now passed. And so it's harder for anime titles, specific single titles to get like this big cultural footing and traction the way that a lot of the popular geek media of nowadays catches on because now it's all about that steady IV drip. Like every six months, a new installment. Every year, a new installment. That's how Marvel films do it. That's Mm -hmm. how Marvel does it. That's how Walking Dead does it. That's how Game of Thrones does it and so on and so on and so forth. Just long enough so you don't forget about it. Yeah. That's why I was concerned about Attack on Titan. And rightly so, because there's still no new Attack on Titan. We're getting it, I think, summer this year or something like that. Maybe. That's what it looks like. The thing is, is that Japan gets a steady drip of Attack on Titan. They get it in the form of the novels, the movies, the games, things like that. And we, we got get the TV that show. stuff. Some of that stuff comes out here. I mean, the manga is available on Crunchyroll. Right. And the novels come out here and the games come out mm-hmm. and they're questionable quality. But the, the scope of advertising for anime and manga is just not the same because the companies that release that stuff here are not as big as like Disney Exactly. Warner Brothers. And so you don't get the same like level of awareness of it, the same level of constant reminder. So much media out there in the world, it takes huge, vast sums of money to cut through all that and permeate through everything so that everyone is aware when Better Call Saul comes back on, let's say. That is the thesis of my panel, anime in Western media. I hope if I go to a con and you're doing that, please show up. I will be doing that panel again because it's all about this stuff. It's not that a lot of those companies don't like anime. They just have no benefit to promoting anime. They've got their own stuff to promote. Tons of it, too. Whereas we are the Anime World Order podcast, and we have no money and therefore no (laughs) qualms or concerns about promoting Japanese cartoons and animation. So let's start naming off a couple of shows. I've got a list uh, just about how many, numerically speaking wise, do you have in each of your, your lists here? Of the shows that I watched something of, I tally about 35 different shows just from 2015, I should Yeah, my count's about 30. Now, I didn't complete a lot of these. Some of these are garbage shows that I only watched an episode of, but I did at least dip my toe into 35 different shows. I've also put down some notable shows that I haven't watched that I mean to. I just never got around to it. Yeah, I look at this list and I'm like, if you couldn't find anything to watch this year, you might want to reconsider being an anime fan. <laughs> 
there is something for everybody this year. Well, there's two sides to that. If you couldn't find it, it's not necessarily because it didn't exist. It might just be that it was buried beneath so many other things that you weren't able to locate it, which is maybe where we come in. Possibly, yeah. I'm not going to jump all over everybody if there's a show that started a little bit earlier. Like, to give you an example, JoJo's Stardust Crusaders second season was in uh, early 2015, fantastic show we're getting more of it this year i still believe that the true peak of jojo's is stardust crusaders that's still the most famous one i am one of those people who was never super into diamond is unbreakable i know like the whole basis of this fandom is bonding over the shitty chinese translation into english but <laughs> to me i always thought like a big part of the appeal was just like going different places and doing different shit and diamond is unbreakable takes place in one town Although there are a couple cool characters, I just I don't know if I like the retcon explanation for where stands come from. But if you want to hear all this conversation in detail, why don't you head on over to AnimeWorldOrder.com and check out that review index where you can see all the previous reviews of all different shows that we did over the years. And you will find that we were talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure before it was cool because we reviewed Diamond is Unbreakable back in 2009. Indeed. And we've yeah. still yet, after six years, have yet to cover part five or yeah. six or Steel Ball Run. I also appreciate that the TV series did absolutely nothing to update the manga, or almost nothing. It's still set in the 80s. No one just suddenly has cell phones or anything all of a sudden. Yeah. It's very just aware of where it's set. I mean, granted, it's not really that essential for the most part when it comes to JoJo's. The time setting is kind of whatever for most of it, but yeah. Hey, that's a really important when he's playing a video game, and <laughs> it's clearly a Super Nintendo. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, a definite anachronism. Right, and also that Jotaro's never played video games. It definitely calls know. into yes. question the realism and credibility of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> is this inaccurate video game controller. <laughs> Everything else, uh, I think, is pretty spot on. I think Mad Men's creators kind of like looked at JoJo's and said, yeah, it's uh, about the level of detail that we want to capture in our show, <laughs> and, and went from there. Also, I'll probably yeah. just gloss over a couple of things because I have every intention of reviewing a couple of these shows. First, I want to know, like, how many did Clarissa tally up? I've got about 20 shows that I watched at least a little bit of. Maybe I wasn't able to finish them yet and, like, enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely some other ones in there that I've heard good things about. I just haven't had a chance to watch them yet. And I bet that there are some that you watched that I forced an episode on on you guys at Anime Night and we were just like, fuck this shit. We're not watching anymore. <laughs> I don't think you would list that one. as like That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think I skipped a couple of those, like Monster Musume. <laughs> yes. Monster Musume. We watch more than an episode of that shitty show. <laughs> but it's such a popular show. I can't believe how popular it is. in the United States. I know, because there's tits. But it's popular with girls, too. What the hell? They all want to jump on his dick. I don't know. They want to have those tits. <laughs> they want to have those tits. All these... All, uh, look, Clarissa, when you were 12 or 14, wouldn't you secretly want to be the Spider Girl? The Spider Girl is cool, but, like, the... the the thing is, I like Monster Girls as, like, a concept. I just didn't particularly like the execution in Monster Musume. It just felt like a really kind of dull harem show. Oh, totally. It's it's totally Mr. Milk Toast. No reason to be around character suddenly has all these super hot girls who want to jump on him for no yeah, reason. Yeah. I much prefer... I, I wish they had animated it, but the Nurse Hitomi... 
oh, uh, yeah. manga is a lot more interesting. And what is that one about? It's like a school series, but there's all of these like monster kids and the nurse is a cyclops lady. I mean, really, ultimately, what it breaks down to is it's kind of a series about personal acceptance and like growing up and sort of learning to be yourself and appreciate yourself for... I gotta stop you right there. It's about growing up, Clarissa. It cannot be made into an anime. <laughs> this <laughs> is actually, probably uh, true. <laughs> who's releasing that here? Because I thought that Seven Seas was also the publisher for Monster Musume, but that might be Yen Press. I can never distinguish one from the other. Yeah, it is Seven Seas. How does this girl find contact lenses? She's so cute, though. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, she probably has to have like special made ones. <laughs> I don't remember if that ever gets addressed. So anyway, on the subject of where they get the contact lenses and such, I think probably one of the breakout top series of the year for me was Blood Blockade Battlefront, which I think Yeah, I is still haven't watched that same one, here. I've heard really good things. that n- neither of you have seen a single episode of it, and that's probably, if I had to name, like, quick, don't think about it, what's the show of the year? Blood Blockade Battlefront is probably it. I think this is kind of like this great show that you could point to people as like, hey, I just watched Cowboy Bebop because Cowboy Bebop is still relevant all these years later. What can I watch next? And then you hand them Blood Blockade Battlefront because it's like sort of this... From the guy who made Trigun, as done by the studio who made Cowboy Bebop, brings you this story. We're finally getting the last episode in a couple of weeks. The last episode of what? Blood Black Pike Battlefront. I thought they were doing... It came out months ago. What? The... Oh, then they're releasing something else for it then in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I think there's going to be like... Uh, like I know there's like original... a spin-off manga series, so maybe they're doing something for that. It could also just be like an extra for the home video release is also being made. But basically, it was a show where... The final episode was delayed for like three or four months. And then when the final episode came out, they basically made it much longer to compensate, like almost like a miniature film, as it were. But yeah, phenomenal animation, really, really incredible background work, great action scenes. It's funny as hell. It's fascinating how much of the media landscape there is because Dark Horse Comics had been releasing the manga for this for years. And not Mm -hmm. a word. Nobody said anything about it. Not a peep. Same thing with Gangsta. Yep, yeah. Viz was releasing that. Yeah, it's nobody the saw it. Nobody coming talked out anything about it. Mm-hmm. Anime now in the United States is effectively serving the purpose that anime in Japan is doing. It's like saying, "Hey, here's a manga that exists. Go read the manga." Yeah. Uh, especially Gangsta, which is the perfect example of that. You could say that for any medium like movies or films. Like no one reads comic books until the comic book movie comes out. And then still, nobody so reads comic So those people books. still don't read the comics. Yeah, and most know? of them will not. But that's also because most of the time the comics don't understand what people like about the movie, which is different no. from what is exactly. going on in the comics, and they don't take advantage of what people liked about the movie, which Captain America is a perfect example. It's the Masamune Shiro effect of, hey, I got this idea, but you're Masamune Shiro, and we don't trust you, so <laughs> we're going to have to lock you in this room... Take your notes, throw away all the bullshit with these like plastic women getting boned. And actually, that's an outdated Masamune Shiro reference. If you look at the current era Masamune Shiro, he's left that way in the dust. It's like, okay, Masamune Shiro, you are at the next level. But on that note, I'm going to throw out another one that I'm feeling fairly confident that maybe nobody else has seen. Who watched Ghost in the Shell Alternative Architecture? I did not. Or Ghost in the Shell, the new movie. The very best, most creative name you could possibly come up with for a film in history. The new movie. (laughs) Yeah, I skipped it because it it just didn't seem 
like it was going to be that good. It's one of those things where I've watched Ghost in the Shell Arise, which, you know, first started and I was like kind of underwhelmed by it. And the reason I was underwhelmed by it was one, yes, new cast, new character designs, and effectively similar stories that we'd already seen before. And I'm like, okay, this is... And the new character designs suck. Not a huge fan of most of the new designs. Generally speaking, they're just trying to, I guess, be a little more kawaii-ish, I suppose. I don't know what they're going for. But I think by and large, the show itself is quite good. And just hmm. it's one of those things where it's a very relative sense of quality because to me, yeah, I, I actually don't like it quite as much as Standalone Complex. No one seems to, really. But the thing is, is that it's still quite good as like a series the problem is that it's called ghost in the shell mm. and then the new movie is sort of a misnomer because even though it's called the new movie it is the plot of the first ghost of the shell movie which also happened to be the plot of solid state society after his fashion and so it's kind of one of those things where you're just inviting comparisons to prior successes and so it's a little tough but i will say it was a notable series and it it is pretty good it's just marred by the fact that i've seen it before but maybe people who have not been watching anime for 20 years may have not seen it before right Hmm. i mean just looking at the stuff that carrying over still now or just came out just between like osamatsu-san and one punch man Mm -hmm. let's say both Really, really solid shows, really good animation, design sense. For context, I mean, One Punch Man is like this giant crossover hit that kind of broke out beyond anime. Yeah. I mean, it's a superhero series. So I was on Paul's podcast, GME Anime Fun Time, to talk about it. And so I'm glad that it got like some coverage outside the normal anime circles. It's a number one New York Times bestseller in the manga side of things. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping that they could market it to people who like superheroes comics and superhero movies and stuff. Viz is doing a very good job of promoting the comic book for all that audience of people who just came off of watching the anime. And yeah. for this year's free comic book day, they are going to give away like a free chapter of One Punch Man yeah, plus I saw that. a free chapter of My Hero Academia, which is the anime version that will start this year. And so I think that's I know, kind I'm of excited. a very perfect cross-promotion. I yeah. have confidence that it'll do well because it's a pretty good studio. I believe Bones is doing the anime adaptation of it oh good yeah the thing with one punch man is that we've had anime series that featured superheroes before one of the more notable ones from the past couple of years was tiger and bunny it's not common to have the that kind of american style superhero though i mean there's a lot of shows about people with powers but no well the thing is is that that tiger and bunny i think was a show that anime fandom thought the show would hit with you know the normies or whatever you want to call them but the normies gerald really? yeah way to be fucking filking as our friend cassie likes to call them which i love is which she's i love to laugh at how that she says that but no outside of anime fandom that show had too many missteps i think to i think to, it had one become... misstep and the one misstep is fire emblem <laughs> no that just didn't get on tv oh that's yeah. the misstep the, it used to be the cycle of being a hit show in the united states was one punch man's not on tv yet here but that's just it it could suffer the exact same fate we don't know yet it's too but it's already much bigger than tiger and bunny ever was outside but of among anime outside of anime among fandom? outside of anime yes. fandom yes it is what have they are... bought other than the comics no, they, I've I've known multiple people who have said to me, my friend who doesn't know anything about anime has been Let talking about One Punch Man. Let me finish my sentence about what's changed in the 10 years, because Tiger and Bunny, you're forgetting how old it is. Here's yeah. the thing, is that it used to be that a show would air in Japan and it would get like a core set of American anime fans who were small but dedicated talking about it, making a buzz. 
Then the second wave of fandom would hit when it came out on home video here and all, a whole lot more people would see it. And then mm. the third wave would be when it got on TV. And the situation has changed now due to simulcasting. Tiger and Bunny came out in the infancy of simulcasting. It wasn't really this normal default way of watching everything the way it is now, such that now those first two waves are almost kind of put together. It's, if it comes out in Japan, there is no delay between the Japanese release and the U.S. release. Like the home video release is kind of an afterthought at this point. And so really it's the simulcast in Japan and then the TV broadcast. And if there is no TV broadcast and there is no other media, it ends right there. In case of One Punch Man, now it's when everyone is used to simulcasting as a means of watching things. Hulu is a site that is much more popular now than it was right. when Tiger and Bunny came out. Now we're in a scenario where if you watch One Punch Man and you like it, now you actually have something to go to after that. You can go and read these comics, and it's very easy to find them because those are also simul-published and available digitally as well. It's a slightly different scenario, but you do still need that TV broadcast for it to hit. And I, I actually have some confidence that One Punch Man actually will make it onto TV. I, I feel like that is something that will happen this year, but time will tell as far My as My only goes. concern is Puri Puri Prisoner. Puri Puri Prisoner is everyone's concern about that. I mean, there's also a little bit of gore, especially in comparison to a lot of American cartoons. I was concerned about oh. that until I saw Parasite made it onto Adult Swim, and then I was like, anything yeah. goes. But look at Metalocalypse. That you is keep on saying Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse is a show made from here. It's like anything goes for like Family Guy and Simpsons and stuff like that. But once it comes time to buy somebody else's show rather than make a show of your own, there's like a totally different set of standards being applied. So I think well, Parasite is really the no shits given. It also depends on whether you make a distinction between shows that air kind of in that adult swim block versus if I think about the things that were really like super huge mega hits Cowboy Bebop might be the exception. That was an Adult Swim show, but most of them are not Adult Swim shows. They're shows that ran like in regular Toonami when that existed, or in kind of the regular all ages blocks. Stuff like Dragon Ball, stuff like Sailor Moon. And it should be noted that the new Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon and Naruto and such like that, those can't get on TV anymore. Right. And so the concern is whether, okay, fine, it shows on Adult Swim, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee as much that it'll get a big audience so if there's a difference in how much attention it's liable to get between being in that adult swim block versus being in that more general block where a lot of the other superhero like american-made superhero cartoons are then the gore might be an issue and yeah putty putty prisoner definitely yeah i mean that's definitely going to be an adult swim show and i even think we're moving into an era where the TV won't even matter. I think we're right at the cusp of, is it on TV? Who cares? As long as it's on the internet, the that's where I see it. The thing is, that's only for a subset of the population. Because right, remember, there has to be a curation somewhere. Well, it's more than that. There's a lot of buzz about people cutting the cord and stuff. But in all honesty, if you actually look at the statistics, the people who are giving up cable for online streaming are a very small percentage. I mean, hell, a lot of areas of the country don't even have that much high-speed internet. A lot of people still don't have high-speed internet at home that you need for streaming yeah the sustainable so like, yeah, it's a lot bigger broadband. it is a small but it's a growing audience and it also matters where it gets on the internet i know but right that's what i'm just saying like i wouldn't be so hasty yet to say i don't think we're there yet for it doesn't matter that it ends up on tv i didn't say that i said we are close to that i guess close is a relative term like close could be years close could be months i think we've kind of said enough about one punch man that's a big huge popular hit 
You mentioned another title, though, which is Mr. Osumatsu, yes. which is mm-hmm. the show for the maniacs, which nobody <laughs> otherwise outside the maniacs knows about. Right. Contextualize this one. Mr. Osumatsu is an update, or Osumatsu-san is an update of an old a manga and anime series uh, by Akatsuki Fujio. It's a classic old comedy series. Black and white era. Yeah, which was Osamatsu-kun because the characters were younger. So what they did, it's like an ensemble comedy gag series about these six brothers. They're sextuplets, actually. And they're kind of misadventures. And there's like a couple of side characters of people that live in their neighborhood who are have their own weird quirks. It's very much that kind of family comedy style show and so what they did for osamatsu san is because i think it's like a big anniversary for the series or for akatsuka fujio they brought it back and then they said okay well what if we make a series about the characters from osamatsu kun but older so all the sex sextuplets are adults now and basically they're bringing that back but trying to make it for a modern audience and i think they did a really really good job You know, I think they really honed in on how to handle updating something like that because they're faithful in some ways, but by the same token, they're not so slavishly devoted that they're just recreating what was already there. They're taking the basis as a framework and then using it to uh, kind of go crazy. And to prove how powerful the show is, the first episode was so freaking good so utterly, like, jaw-droppingly, amazingly fantastic that the Japanese just couldn't allow it to exist. <laughs> that, yeah, they, they pulled it off the TV for violating copyright. Yeah. That first episode is so good, the only way you can watch it is the pirates. Yeah. Thank fucking God for those well, pirates. yeah. I mean, it's, uh... It wouldn't exist otherwise. If no yeah. one was ripping those things off, we wouldn't see it anymore. And that That's the first true. episode is the episode, like, if you watch only one episode of that show... That is the episode to watch because it is amazing. The thing is, it's not really representative of the rest of this the show. That's fine. Like it's really good, but <laughs> it's one of those things where basically Osamatsu-san, it's more Gintama. It's by the same guy who made Gintama, the anime version of it, and mm. they kind of are taking the almost the exact same style of comedy. And it's fascinating because Gintama was never popular here in the United States. No. Uh, it was one of those things that Sentai Filmworks would release the DVD sets, and I was always mystified, like who's buying this and yeah. like who's watching it. Crunchyroll thing because like Gintama is a show that runs like hundreds of episodes right. and people don't know that it's mostly standalone there isn't really a you know Shonen Jump like super 100 episode continuity exactly so, Osumatsu-san is much shorter plus even though Gintama is like one of those like Shonen Jump series it didn't really ever get the same kind of push that stuff like Naruto and Bleach got. But it does have the same similar levels of popularity as far as its audience breakdown. Like when you look at who is super crazy into Gintama and who is super crazy into Osumatsu-san, it's the same group of people. It's the Fujoshi. I was going to say the butt stuff crowd. (laughs) But yes, they're the people who are really keeping Gintama and Osumatsu like... Osumatsu does require Fujoshi powers because... They're sex tuplets, which means they're, they're identical. Sex they are but they identical. Look slightly different. There is like one tiny thing different in Fujoshi. Clarissa knows exactly which one is which. They're also color coded, and I know yes, they from, are color coded. So it's history, not that hard. From past history, we have established that color coded factions or characters are Gerald's weakness. That he can't tell like who's fighting who, even though like all the people on one side have one color uniform. <laughs> versus usually, another. that's a problem when the side that is wearing black armor is fighting the side that's wearing dark 
green armor, and they're fighting at night. I would say it's uh-huh. usually red That's... versus white that seems to be your weak point. <laughs> Look, Gerald just has problems telling characters apart and keeping characters straight in general. Like only Paul when there are Chapman's hundreds of characters. Mom and Gerald are kind of like spiritual. So am I not allowed to have any opinions on these shows? Then is that how it works? We're just trying to say, like, if you say like it's really hard to tell who the characters are, that's operating on a curve. Well, hold on. <laughs> the only people I know who do know these characters are the Fujoshi. That's true. They're also the only well, people watching. Well, but that's because of who's watching the show. <laughs> we'll turn this to you, Gerald, next. Now we've labeled one comedy show, which you actually don't think is very funny, which is Osumatsu-san. Do you have like an example of like a comedy show that is funny from 2015? Uh, let's see. I'm looking through this list, and I've got... Yeah, this list is pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have two that I could throw as comedy shows. I did really enjoy Umaru-chan. I did not think I would enjoy that show. That show seemed like it was a show that would have maybe a few good episodes and then they would turn into like brother-sister fucking territory and it never did. And the, ma- the, manga, the manga still hasn't, as far as I know. And another show, which I quite enjoyed, uh, Prison School. <sighs> oh, okay. Was to me, Prison School is not a comedy. Prison School is a, is a documentary docudrama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, in the latest issue of Talk USA, I did write a feature on Prison School, which goes into like what I thought about it and why I think it's effective. And it's one of those things where superficially it seems like it's this lurid titty fan service show of which there are like 8 million of them and I think it's actually like this really tense heist kind of structured thing plus like the gross out comedy of like Detroit Metal City and I think all these things sort of work together to make like a tremendous show. I think that the comedy in it is underrated like how effective it's trying to like there's a scene in it where I have to talk about the show to a small degree, but there's a scene in it where a guy is trying to distract people by shitting his pants. (laughs) This seems like really low garish comedy, and it is, but the build-up to it is tremendously well done. Yeah, and I think the pacing of it is super in its favor. Like, one of the things that really endeared people to one punch man was how quick it went like we're so used to like these anime Mm -hmm. adaptations only doing like two chapters worth of material one punch man did four prison school ups the ante one episode of the prison school anime is one entire volume of prison school manga and so it's just like it's moving at like this really breakneck clip which it doesn't feel bad unless you've read it I've read some of the manga and you know it still didn't feel that bad to me it seemed like things moved along pretty swiftly because If it's called prison school and they're not in a prison by the first episode, then people are going to be wondering what the hell this is about. Mm. Prison school didn't work quite as well for me, although, I mean, that guy's art is absolutely gorgeous. So just visually, it's great looking, but some of the comedy was good, but it didn't work for me consistently. It's one of those things where, like, to me, like, I wasn't really watching it to laugh i'm watching it to be like how are they gonna pull this off oh right <laughs> and, right and so that was sort of like the factor of it and then like the fuck-ups along the way like kind of tie into like any good heist or prison escape sort of thing right. where the, the plan falls to shit and this one it's just it's literal shit that it falls to and so that's sort of what keeps me going it's one of those things where it's super popular in Japan. Like it got like a live action drama and it got like, you know, all this, you know, other mm-hmm. stuff. And they really only got like halfway through the manga. There's still another like 80 chapters yeah. of that. I think it's also like prison school is one of those series. It seems to me at least where all of the characters are kind of terrible. Yes. That's and, actually and critical. So 
And yes. everybody is a horrible person. <laughs> right. And so it's really tricky to make those kind of series, like, because you have to find that balance of like, okay, these people are all terrible and you hate them, but you still have to make it entertaining or interesting enough to make you want to watch these horrible people and not just say, okay, I hate everyone. Right. Fuck this show. Episode one, the gang goes to jail. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> you it know, is, I didn't really in- think about it as the always sunny of, of anime, but... <laughs> it is indeed a very fine line, I right. agree. Like, th- but there I mean, are shows- Osamatsu-san is the same thing, right? They're all, like, horrible. <laughs> Osamatsu-san, I don't know if they're horrible. They're just kind of losers. I don't know. Well, if yeah, actively... I mean, that's what I mean. Like, they're, they're being a loser and being like an act, like the show Girls. I would say those, a lot of the people in that are actively like terrible people. And I was told that is the point of that show. Right. Mm. That, that these are Schadenfreude, be mad, these are like, you know, absolutely horrible people that you're supposed to keep watching the show for. And I couldn't do it. Like, I could not manage that. The Settlers um, of Brooklawn. Whoever wins is crowned Lena Dunham. <laughs> Osumatsu-san, like, I like the characters. I thought there's a pervert there. There's just a, a bunch of them are all really lazy and... Oh, they're all perverts. But yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> For my money's worth, there were, were two uh, comedy shows that, that were particularly noteworthy. I mean, I know everybody's talking about TQ, but I haven't watched I was that never yet. into TQ. It's a little too, like, monkey cheese-ish for me. I don't know. Hmm. I can see, like, why people will go crazy for it. And I think the key to it is that it's short. The short anime is one of those things where it's a delicate balance because some things, like, okay, it's a good thing that's short because it's a way out it's welcome. And other times, this is so awesome, why isn't this longer? And I think the epitome of that, for me, is the strawberry-flavored Fist of the North Star. Has anybody watched this at all? No, I haven't. Okay, I watched some of it. I haven't caught up yet, but I have been watching that. It's not a separate show, right? It's like attached to the DD. It is attached to the DD. And this is where it makes you really realize what I'm talking about. I think that's why I haven't watched it because I didn't watch like the first chunk of DD Fist of the North Star. Like I watched the first like episode or two, but. Here's the thing. Like the second season of DD Fist of the North Star is completely unrelated to the first season. It's like a totally separate premise and all that. But here's the important thing that everyone kind of figures out really fast. DD Fist of the North Star, 20 minutes of it is the DD part, and two minutes or two and a half minutes are the strawberry flavored part of it. These ratios really should have been reversed. <laughs> yes, that's, what, that's my problem is, I, is DD the, is not bad. The DD but, show, it's not bad. It's just, it's too long for yes. the amount of content that it's got. It's that Akitaro Daiichi, like four coma comic kind of Because it was joke. originally a shorter show the first season, right? Or it, it was, was split it, into two parts. It was originally a full length thing split into two stories per episode and Mm -hmm. they still do that but the problem is that even 10 minutes or 11 minutes is too long these things need to be like condensed down to five minutes yeah and also it relies a lot on that japanese kids comedy of like something wacky happens you have someone like react and be like oh my god you can't do that yeah that's dd fist of the north star strawberry flavored fist of the north star (laughs) is that's why i like it the resurrection of cromartie only yes. this time ah. it's Fist of the North Star, and this time it's the Holy Emperor Souther, who was like the, this reviled villain of the original series, just wants to have friends. I want to edit all of those together just so that I can sit people down and show them that, because and, I tried and, and showing like DD Fist of the North Star. No, no, DD no. Fist of the North Star requires far too many 
It's far too much knowledge yeah. of the original show to enjoy. It. Whereas this and is just like you could get the episode and then skip to about the 19, 20 minute mark and then it just kicks in. Has no like opening or whatever. It just DD ends and then this thing just starts. Yeah. <laughs> and that should have been like the, the 10, 15 minutes. It's completely show. different. It's yeah. basically right. traced over the old Fist of the North Star remake movie artwork. Yeah. They got the original voice actor for Souther from the 80s back to do yeah. this. I mean, the covers of the manga that I've seen are tremendous. They're all very yes. funny. Uh, it has yeah. really, really tremendous eye catches at the end of it. Basically, the running gag is that everybody's gay, which is a tremendous joke to make about Fist of the North star in like 2015 and so i think this is like a triumph of like all things it's just the problem is is like what's surrounding it's attached to this show written for like small children only with references and in jokes for a 30 year old show yeah and so it's it's weird to recommend in that sense but a lot of people will just like cue up the episode skip straight to strawberry flavored two minutes and then it's like yes this is exceptionally good of how much mileage they get out of like these little things that were in the South are trying to material. kill a fly and stuff like that. Yes. Like, or, you know, Souther has never drank a milkshake. Or- <laughs> yes. Like these are all tremendous jokes and you don't have to have watched much of yeah, if any have watched it. It's like, oh, right. You can get like the joke like, OK, there was a scene where he's walking up the steps of the pyramid and some child tries to stab him in the leg and he no sells it. And then they make like this running bit out of it. It's little like Gundam-san in that sense, which is also this like triumphant thing, making fun of Mobile Suit Gundam. Although Gundam-san would explain all its references ahead of time for people who right. never saw the show. Strawberry Flavor Fist of the North Star gives no shits. It's just like, all right, here we go. Something weird is happening. We're going to form ourselves an idol band and have like this behind the music sort of scene where yeah, it's like I everybody hates each other. Yeah, I definitely need to watch this. <laughs> you can see the entire thing because each clip is only two minutes long and there's only like 12 things. If you strung them all together, you'd get like the length of like a typical single episode of anime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was like we watched all of um the anime for Insufficient Direction in like yes. one sitting because it was That's, the same thing. Yes. Like those were so short that. Right. Similarly, did anybody watch uh, the sort of like successor to uh, Insufficient Direction? I can't understand what my husband is saying. I did. Yes. I liked that one. Yeah. I haven't. No. Another season of that that came out this year. Premise very similar to Insufficient Direction. You know, married life with the crazy otaku for a Mm -hmm. husband. All these shows are good. (laughs) I don't know if it's like some promotion on the part of the government to say like, hey, bring that birth rate up. Go marry otaku. (laughs) It's not that bad. We're talking about all these shows that, that we liked. I'm yeah, you actually to... didn't go into like what Umaru-chan is. You just said you thought you wouldn't like it, but it turned out you liked oh, it. Oh, yes. What is Garfield about? <laughs> <laughs> Umaru-chan, it's a very simple concept. It's a show basically about this girl. She's in uh, middle school or high school. And the outside appearances of her is this very demure, beautiful girl who gets high grades and is, you know, very unapproachable, let's say. And whenever she gets home, she kind of just transforms into this terrible otaku type she lives with her brother and again when you hear that and you know it's anime you're thinking like oh god this is going to be total shit but no her brother is just this salary man and just tries to keep up with whatever thing she's into right now whether it be like video games or whatever anime she's watching whatever jump issue that she really wants to read it's pretty self-referential it is not normally a show i would like a whole lot but i enjoyed it greatly it was just kind of the right show for me at the time yeah it's very cute it's pretty funny it is not, you know, going to blow your mind, but I'm very glad it didn't go in, in bad directions. I do like the weeaboo characters. 
The Weeaboo characters are great. It's got actually like a physical release license. Uh, Sentai Works is, you know, actually releasing that here. It's funny that people call it Garfield because when she's at home, she kind of does act like if Garfield were an anime fan. Well, yeah, she's lazy and she eats yes. all the time. And she's and, wearing yep. a giant orange cat hood. Yes. Yeah, I think it's actually a hamster, but yes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So it is... A lot of fun. It's a very cute, very fun show that I enjoyed greatly. It's a little I, unrealistic because, you know, her favorite console is the PSP, but... Yes, well, I think the manga was started... I think the manga was started when the PSP was still around, so right. I, maybe they just kept that bit of it. But um, yeah, you could probably just say it's a Vita. They look similar. Yeah, they look similar, and I th- yeah, she, you can tell she's an otaku because she plays, like, Super Nintendos and things like that as well. Right. So that was a show I didn't think I'd like that I ended up liking a lot. There's some shows I wanted to mention, but I, right. I think I will leave Gangsta for you, Clarissa. Well, we well yeah, I was, I was actually it. about to say I did mention that, but, you know, that one I really enjoyed. I mean, it was... Unfortunately, it had the same problem that a lot of shows have, which is it didn't quite have the budget that it probably needed. And so especially towards the end there, where there were some episodes that got pretty unfortunate looking yeah i loved gangsta manglobe went out of business <laughs> yeah <laughs> gangsta looked so beautiful for like it's a 12 episode show and i think it looked beautiful for like nine episodes yeah the problem is i have such a hard time recommending the show because there's no satisfactory ending there's no ending it's just as if it could have been like uh, you're watching like a 26 episode series and you just suddenly stop at this episode it's so tough to it's, recommend it's a show that, that. like had like a lot of potential i think oh, like man. as far as so you have animation, to learn to just not give a shit about the ending that's yeah. what fan fiction teaches you that, that's how they, they <laughs> do it over there i guess but like for me like animation wise i think like there wasn't like super spectacular animation to like the fifth episode right and, and then like i was like oh, okay now it's on but then because of the studio troubles they were running into mm-hmm. that the last episodes kind of fizzled out and then the studio shuttered. Right. Yeah, badly. It's kind of sad because Manglobe was the studio where they were sort of founded to be like, hey, let's make things for the world. Let's make yeah. Samurai Champloo and Ergo Proxy and shows of that nature like Michigan and Hotchin and stuff. And yeah. then they were like losing money and they're like, okay, fuck it. Uh, Sacred Blacksmith or whatever. And then this gangsta was like kind of like their stab back at like okay we'll make something that's accessible again and then it was like so i i guess whatever ha- was that happened to him that now they're gone and i don't even think gangs has even been released at a home video or it not yet like released because like, who's gonna do so. it right it's a real shame because i mean i would assume viz has first dibs maybe if they are doing the manga but yeah and, and then Ugh. again even the manga the lady who writes that not in the best of health or something like that because i right. don't know if she's continuing the manga and even it's a monthly manga already yeah there is a spin-off series yeah it was like a prequel spin-off of like you yeah. know one of the guys in the other gangs yeah gangsta cursed yeah, yeah. It's out there. It's this interesting world. It's super gay and don't even try and everyone just like accepts that immediately. And then you just watch it and it's like, all right, fine. Yeah, I liked it. It's one of those things where, yeah, it's very hard for me to go and say like in hindsight now that it's over. Right. And even when I first started watching it, I'm like, the rate this is going, there's going to be no ending to this show. (laughs) And we were right. I thought that it would at least end with them back at their apartment or something. But no, it literally ends with guy is shot lying on the street. Cut. And credits yeah and yeah. that's that is a horrible way to end the show oh it's so that's why i just can't recommend yeah. the show even though but at least the manga is out and you yeah. can yes. get the manga so so let me mention a show that daryl i'm not going to say you're not going to agree with me on this i really wanted to like the show 
I really, really wanted to like the show, and it, it just couldn't. And I'm going to be raked over the coals oh, by my own kind for this. He arts the Ninja Slayer. Ninja the, Slayer. Oh, I really from animation. I yeah. really. The thing is with Ninja Slayer is that I don't think it could find the right tone for the show. Mm. The show started with some really good jokes, and I know it maybe wasn't trying to be a comedy, but the but I was laughing really hard at yeah. some of these these no, jokes. No, I think it made the mistake of occasionally trying to take itself seriously. You can't do that with that show. There's no way to take it seriously. I think the show was too long because it was a full it's like 26, 26 episodes. Yeah, and I think it should have been. The episodes are short; they're like ten minutes long with credits. But yeah, something it's like still that. But twenty six. I feel like you cannot have fight scenes that involve you literally taking a character with no movement and moving it across the screen and then basically have it be like paper cutouts, like attacking each other and take that deathly seriously. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. And now it's interesting because I thought I remembered that you were really like pro on Ninja Slayer. Was that maybe just at the beginning? I really liked the beginning of it. Yeah. But as the show kept going, I was very disappointed in where it went. And it seems like nobody... Once it gets to, like, Ninja Slayer joins the communist revolution. <laughs> that far. Except, yeah. yeah. No, we watched, I think, all the show. Pretty much in the entire show, yeah. if not all of it. I actually do have to agree with you. Like, at the beginning, I, I really enjoyed it because I liked Inferno Cop. But, yeah, I think they couldn't really maintain throughout the whole length of it. I think it's one of those things where... And I get the jokes. I get the jokes of what they were going I understand they get the jokes. It's just one of those things where I think they painted themselves into a corner with what the joke was because prior to the first episode coming out, they were very secretive about what Ninja Slayer was going to be. Mm -hmm. They just said like, okay, this is the new show from Studio Trigger and it's going to be about ninja fighting each other. And this sounds awesome. They were coming off a kill a kill which was right. like a, a massive hit both in Japan and the United States. Yeah. And that's why so many people here hated it because they were expecting the next Kill a Kill. They were expecting the next Kill a Kill. They got the next Inferno Cop <laughs> with like... But we didn't even get the next Inferno well, Cop because that's what second. I was Let expecting. Me, I'm, I'm trying to, oh, sorry, to finish on. because like Akira Amamiya is this very talented animator in his own right and that'll, I'll bring that up again in just a minute. And so there were portions of Ninja Slayer where there were these like really impressive animation cuts mm -hmm. and then it would cut back to the paper cutout mm -hmm. style animation to effectively highlight the absurdity. And the problem was is that the animation cuts that were impressive were too cool. And once you have <laughs> that to go back, now it's no longer a joke. Now it's just like, oh, this is shitty. And then you try to tell like the serious stories like some of these side episodes were that didn't feature Ninja Slayer at all. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, they didn't really do the cardboard cutout, you know, right. Inferno Cop style cuts for there. It just was like sort of sparsely animated. And then you're like, okay, well, is this supposed to be like this serious sort of story or is it supposed to be goddamn ridiculous? Right. Because yeah. they tried to do like these emotional episodes of the guy being sad about his dead wife or whatever. And yeah. And the reason for this is because the reception even in Japan was super negative to like the first episodes. And I don't know how much of it was like trying to course correct and how much of it is like just this is the plan all along. I've had every confidence that there was no plan all along. I think they were just <laughs> being like, screw it. This is how we're doing it. I do feel like reading the source material, a.k.a. the Japanese making fun of American OEL, like manga sort of things as like a novel. Those are actually really funny because you get a lot more of like the narrator overly describing things as being ridiculous throughout. But it's a tricky situation there where 
yeah, midway through, it, it seemed to like have a crisis of conscience and try to do something a little more real than it never had, had no business trying to do. And I yeah. think that's why like only a few people really stuck with it through the end. It was very unpopular, both in Japan and the United States. Yeah, nobody liked the show. And I think that if the show had been like five minutes per episode and just stuck with the let's be just a goofy comedy the entire way through, that would have worked. But yeah, the tone was all wrong in the show, I think. I appreciate it, uh, but it's a little hard for me to... I, I would always be hesitant to recommend it to people just because, you know, you have to know about like all the stuff they were referencing mm. was really my main hang-up about re recommending it to other people. But, but even if you did, like I did, I knew what they were talking about. It just didn't work. And it's a shame because it's a studio trigger show about ninjas being ninjas. I really had high hopes for that show. I did finish it, but again, I don't know very many other people who stuck with it and liked doing so the entire time. I think uh, a better example of like, an action sort of show that kind of came out this year, I mean, when we say this year, I mean like the year 2015, more of them, like, because Ninja Slayer technically wasn't even a TV show. It was a internet animation thing mm -hmm. that they made just for the web but i think as far as like net animations that are like the ultimate like as far as that is gundam thunderbolt which came out on christmas day and was like the best christmas present ever because it's my autobiography in anime form yeah we just watched the first episode and i really like yeah. it so far yeah yeah it's it's this sort of like we're going all out full hand-drawn animation do that sort of Gundam the Origin, Gundam Unicorn caliber animation. It's going to be on the web. It's going to be short, about 20 minutes or so, not like a full episode. It's going to be five episodes total. And basically, it's about a guy named Daryl who sits around <laughs> all the time and is angry at the Gundam. And his biggest enemy in the world is freeform jazz. So it's like, perfect. <laughs> this is exactly what my life is about. Uh, everybody, go watch Gundam Thunderbolt. It teaches you that the sniper is the enemy, which was the thing, the lesson that we transposed to everybody. The last time we did you know year in review episode was you know beware of the sniper and Gundam Thunderbolt is all about you know snipers being assholes and shooting the crippled people and so I highly enjoy that uh, four more episodes uh, will be coming out later in the year obviously I am for one just glad that you know we got to see it here without like having to kill ourselves it is possibly and I say this with a few reservations it is possibly the best animated Gundam thing ever done it's possible. This could be the Macross Plus of Gundam when all is said and done. Yeah, maybe the Gundam Zeta opening, second opening, beats it, just because that's yeah. one of the greatest openings ever made. But holy shit, the animation in Thunderbolt is gorgeous, is amazing. And it, right. if, it can be, if it can be the Macross Plus of Gundam, that would be fantastic, because then I'd have a Gundam I could recommend. Because then you'd have a Gundam you can show to people as an introductory point. I mean, yeah. I have to say that, like, as far as the human characters, I prefer Yaz's designs in, like, Unicorn and Origin. But from a technical standpoint and for the the actual mobile suits, uh, yeah, I mean, Thunderbolt looks amazing. I guess one other thing I wanted to mention, um, I really enjoyed my love story. Mm -hmm. Big show. Gerald hated my love story because it was about him, right? <laughs> <laughs> What is my love story about? My love story is about this guy, Takeo Goda, who is a high school student, but he basically, you know, it's sort of like you have those shows where it's nominally about a character who is in like high school, but who looks about like 30, much like Jotaro and some of the other characters in Jojo's <laughs> Bizarre Adventure. Uh, well, that's Takeo Goda. Like he's this big, hulking guy 
And so he looks real intimidating and scary. He's this big palooka. Yeah, he's not the kind of guy that is popular with the girls at school. So he's never had a girlfriend. His best friend is this really super Bashonen popular guy who all the girls always pay attention to. And it's about... He meets this girl, Yamato. He rescues her from a groper on a train, sort of Densha Otoko-esque. And she's like this tiny, super adorable, sweet girl. And it's just this story about the two of them getting together and Takeo's kind of first romance. And it's just really sweet. It's really well done. But... I don't know. I just liked it a lot. The animation is gorgeous. Uh, I don't really think there's much that I can say that I was disappointed in or that I think it had like failings on. I was going to say, but it didn't happen in reality. <laughs> well, there is a live action adaptation, I think. Yeah, with a guy who's 34 out, or something but... that's playing the main character. Probably. But, I guess, but you yeah. have to get a, have a guy who's 34 to play a guy who looks 34. So. Well, yeah. I mean, they probably couldn't find very many high school students who actually look <laughs> like that. <laughs> Let's see. Another show that I ended up liking. You were going to mention a movie you just said. Oh, yes. Another movie. We actually reviewed this movie and it came out uh, last year, 2015, was a Resurrection of F. It's just Resurrection oh, yeah. F, Gerald. How we kept putting Resurrection of F in the Japanese title is <laughs> Resurrection F. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It was a big deal because that was one of the first, or it might be the first uh, Dragon Ball, real Dragon Ball movie to get an actual release in American theaters. Well, yeah, I mean, Battle of the Gods came out here, but not to the degree that Resurrection F came out. Yeah, that got a wide release. Uh, Resurrection F got uh, released in theaters and sometimes stayed in them for up to like a week or a month. Yeah, it was supposed to be like the sort of one or two days only sort of thing. And then it's it stuck around for way longer than that. Yeah. Was really well done, really well received by a lot of people. Go check out our past episode on that if you want to hear. Yeah. It's kind of the Dragon Ball Z movie that uh, so far these Dragon Ball movies, the new ones are pretty good. Well, it's because they they got Akira Toriyama back working on them. Yeah. So... And he knows what it is that people like about Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, so... Yeah, apparently he has been more involved in these movies than he's ever been involved in any of the animation of any of his stuff. Well, what they learned is they learned that from One Piece, because once uh, the One Piece movies started to directly involve Eiichiro Oda, and they started making unprecedentedly higher amounts of money than ever before, they were like, oh, we can make way more money if we actually make something good then if we just make something marginal like we always do and then throw that out there and then yeah that's successful but whatever and Mm -hmm. uh that actually applies to another film i don't know if anybody else saw this who saw this year's naruto movie boruto i did not get a chance to see it that is another example of when you actually get you know your creator involved in the film uh, that, you know, you get something that's way, way better than the typical yearly jump action movie of years past, I think. Hmm. How much Naruto knowledge is required to enjoy Boruto? I mean, it's probably comparable to how much Dragon Ball knowledge is required to know Resurrection F. Yeah, I mean, it's I new mean, characters, so... Yeah, it's, it's basically sort of the bridge, like, introduces next generation, so to speak, while still, like, people generally know, like, maybe three or four characters in Naruto. Now it's all about, like... You know, Naruto's son, years later, you know, having Mm. to live up to the fact that everyone thinks his dad is like the coolest dude ever as a result of this 15 years or whatever that people literally grew up 
with this character. And so he's got to live up to that. I thought that was like really well done, you know, really good action scenes, stuff like that. I have not seen this yet, but it did come out in 2015 and we are going to see it in about a month or so. The Boy and the Beast, Mamoru Hosoda's new movie. Oh yeah. I think he finally went full furry. Yeah. He was always full furry. He was always like two worlds, man, in, in every single thing that he does. But this one here is like the most unapologetically cartoon brew of the set. I plan to see it when it yeah. arrives out here. And I think Resurrection F helped open the door for that thing to come out here. I mean, obviously, it's not going to do nearly as well as no. a Dragon Ball. Film. I wanted to see the Love Life movie, but it didn't play here. Yeah, that played just in a couple of places. And I wanted to see that, too. This year was kind of a slim year for me, at least, when it came to anime movies. I mentioned one, but I don't think I saw any others from this year. You mean you didn't see New Initial D Legend 2? <laughs> yeah, boy! Oh, man, I gotta put that on the on my list. Come on. I think I need to watch those, because now they made they the made characters pretty. Hot. Yeah. Or did they? Or is it just the poster, like, 90s porno, where they spend way more money? <laughs> And then the you go in and like image. jokes, it's the same character designs as the TV series. Exactly. <laughs> or all Japanese porno now. Well, because I wondered, because when I was watching Fourth Stage, I went just to see, and I went on Tumblr and searched Initial D to see what would come up. And I kept seeing all these gifts, and I'm like, wait a minute, this looks way better than anything I'm watching. And I'm like, oh, it's these movies. Right. You know, as that much as it. I'm, as anyone reading my Twitter feed sees uh, how I'm suffering through watching Initial D, I am so looking forward to talking about it. Oh boy, well, there's a lot to say a second, about you know, fucking Initial D. We will do that at some point this yes, year. That will happen soon, maybe the next episode. I don't know if it's the next episode. That is to be determined, but you talked about how you know, you're know you watching the show Ninja Slayer, yet I hope for it. It kind of wasn't what you thought it was going to be. I kind of felt a similar way about another show this year, Young Blackjack. I was going to mention that too. Yeah. I really had high hopes for Young, Young Blackjack. Black was, it wasn't Blackjack. It didn't feel like Blackjack to me. When you call somebody... You saw the promotional material and it's like, okay, they're going to do a new blackjack. They're going to have like new modern art. They're going to make blackjack really hot. Okay, fine. I can accept that. When it, the thing is, it's like, I well, thought the was almost the opposite, that it was supposed to be a series about before he really became, he became blackjack, blackjack. What but made they basically this? just did they Black just made Jack him stories. be Blackjack, yeah. only not as old. And it's like, no, we're there supposed was no to see. Growth. There yeah, was we're no growth. We're supposed to see, like, how did this guy become the Dark Doctor? Yeah. What made him decide, like, I need to be the unlicensed rogue physician? That was, like, my idea. Like, oh, when we watch this, we're going to get these answers. Right. And we're going to see, like, oh, this, this wide-eyed idealist, you know, see, like, all oh, the inherent shittiness mm -hmm. of the Japanese medical system or whatever. Yeah. And we it didn't was like get the problem that, that later Smallville seasons had, where Correct. it was supposed to be, you know, before he's Superman. Before he's Superman. But now he's in the Justice League. Right, and now he's fighting Doomsday, and like they couldn't think of anything new to do that wasn't just the same Superman stories, and so he was just basically Superman without the tights. Yeah, that was a big that disappointment. That was my problem with really Young Blackjack. Yeah. I don't know if that was people's problem who weren't like longtime fans of the character, but I don't know like if it was the idea of like an introduction of like people who never looked at blackjack anything? yeah i don't know i was hoping that it would bring in a lot of new fans but i haven't really seen people talking about it that much i don't right. think it caught on really yeah. much at all unfortunately 
And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, even if you devote this much time to like, you know, showing your main character hot and nude, that, that's not enough. You know, you need some, some more to it, which is to say, you know, you need a lot more like, uh, you know, Dr. Kirito looking young and hot. <laughs> <laughs> that, those were the gayest episodes. Yes. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a shame because I had high hopes for that. I really love Blackjack. Yeah. And it just didn't it yeah th- those were those were two big disappointments this year Ninja Slayer and Young Blackjack. Well, let me let me throw out one that I was looking forward to a while that has not turned out to be a big disappointment. This uh we're only just starting to see it now in 2016 but it has been airing. Uh it is the new Lupin the 3rd. Yeah, yes. I was hesitant to m- mention that because we are only getting it here now, but it is technically a 2015 series. 2015 show. We only just got the simulcast uh here. It was something that aired in Italy first. It is uh Visually resplendent, really well mm-hmm. directed. Um, yeah, but I have to say that like if it's the the sort of the cinematography and like you know audacity in such ways of Fujiko Mine, uh, mm. the woman called Fujiko Mine, only without like the lurid like for mature audiences only sort of aspects to it, and you kind of get like this idealish sort of modern Lupin the Third in the sense where it's like it's still very faithful to the spirit, even though it is a serialized story. But in terms of like how it looks and everything. It's like, wow, this thing is like really well shot and directed and animated and everything. Like they pulled out all the stops for it. I hope that because I guess this was made for Italian television and hopefully it was been made with a lot of Italian money. You hope that Harmony Gold doesn't like get... Well, (laughs) Harmony Gold has nothing on this, but uh, I'm hoping that those first couple of episodes that we've seen are what the rest of the series will be like. And if it is, holy shit, this will be the show of this year, possibly. Or, or it, you know, last. It'll be a show that, of course, it. nobody will see it because it's Lupin. Yeah, Lupin is one of those things where, again, it's it's so tied to legacy. Even if you try to make it new, it's just it's one of those things that's so inherently rooted in the 70s uh, or the, the late 60s, as it were. They never have an episode where they all meet. I don't think it's that. I think it's just like the fashions and the sensibilities of it to be iconically Lupin the Third, to be iconically Fujiko or Jigen or, or Zenigata. They have to look a certain way or dress a certain way that once upon a time used to be like hip and cutting edge and contemporary. And now it's like this anachronistic thing, kind of, you know, James Bond in his tuxedo sort of thing, like mm. one of those things where it used to be like this, you know, suave, cool thing. Now it's like, look at this asshole. But, um, <laughs> so, so far, really good stuff. Yeah, I, I do greatly recommend the new loop on the third let's talk about other things like i can mention a bunch of shows that i didn't watch all of like i watched some of yutterman nights which had a very 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 disparate tones in it but i want to finish that show i might i might even review it how would you say like because a lot of times whenever people mention yutterman nights you can't bring that up without mentioning the other sort of tatsunoko revival project Uh, did you watch gachaman crowds insight I watched part of Gotcha Man Crowds. I didn't watch the newer Insight show. And again, that show had like weird tone issues. I didn't finish that one. I want to finish Yatterman Nights more than Gotcha Man Crowds. I think Gotcha Man Crowds, I also haven't really watched very much of it. Um, it's one of the ones that I'm behind on. But it feels very much like one of those things where it doesn't seem like a bad show, but it feels weird to me that it's supposed to be Gotcha Man. Yeah, yeah, because that it was looks so it. different, yes. and it's yeah. so, like, It just uh, bears almost no resemblance to right. Gotcha Man. Right, Whereas Yatter Man, you can still see, like, oh, this is these definitely these characters and, like, this sort of storyline sort of thing. That aspect of it is still there. I yeah. think as far as a remake of, like, a modern thing that is, like, incredibly faithful, I think Ushio and Tora 
is the epitome of that because oh, it's yeah. this modern era show that's made to be like pure nineties not- shonen. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's very art style and everything like that. It wasn't like the parasite option where they like said like, Oh, we got to bring these character designs into the modern day. No, they went the opposite direction for Ushio and Tor and like, let's go as nineties as possible. Let's, you know, beat slayers at its own game. It's <laughs> weird for me having lived through the nineties, looking back on a nineties throwback show as to how different those shows were. Mm-hmm. People forget that Tenchi Muyo actually kind of stole the premise of Ushio and Tora, because Ushio and Tora was around before Tenchi Muyo, in manga form at least. But the concept of finding this demon locked away and such is such a 90s idea. It's, it's weird for me to see that, especially in, this, in, in like the throwback sense. Another example of like sort of a remake sort of show where they didn't go as far as Ushio and Tora. I mean, they did update the character designs, but pretty much kept the story. The heroic Legend of Arslan, TV I didn't series. watch that. That oh. one is um, again. Yeah, well, they changed the character designs because it's based off the different manga adaptation by the Full Metal Alchemist. Author. Correct. Hiroma Arakawa made her new version of it, and it's one of those things where I don't know if did anyone see the original Arslan from the '90s? I love that oh. one, and actually, I had a tough time getting into the new one because because I liked so that old one so much. Right, and it's one of those things where I think the main problem with the old one was it was just an OAV that was meant to promote us going and reading material that never came out here. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we're finally getting the full story in the form of this show. That's, you know, more modern sensibilities and what have you. But if you grew up in, and you have those teenage memories of the heroic legend of Arslan is like this thing that everyone went after seeing record of Lotus war. Oh, well let's check out Arslan. Oh, this is pretty cool. Where's the rest of it? Oh, it doesn't exist. Shit. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. To go to Arslan TV. It's like a little bit of a hurdle because of like that modern full metal alchemist ish, a character design work. But I mean, the show itself is, is very good. And it's one of those things where I think it would, I felt like the beginning was people. a little slow, but I, I want to give it another chance. I feel like I, I'm I am immune to like the Yoshiki Tanaka narrative being slow. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> it's is a hard thing who, to overcome. This it's is the man thing. who wrote Legend of the Galactic Heroes. That's true. And it's not as slow as LOGH, but um, no. yeah. But I think it's also tough just because that older Arslan, it wasn't OAV, so it had a, a higher budget. And just the character designs for that were so distinctive. The animation was so good. Because that was a Yaz joint, wasn't it? You're thinking of Arion. Yes. But Arion never got an official release here, and very yeah. few people saw it or knew it existed to mistake Arslan for Arion as easily as that. But I know how you can see that in the character designs. I, they looked super Yaz-like. Well, I thought maybe directing, at least. I didn't remember who. Oh, Yaz definitely directed Arion, but not Arslan. Right. Okay, after yeah. After Venus Wars, they were like, you will never touch anime as long as you live, <laughs> Yoshikazu Yasuhiko. Until Gundam Origin. <laughs> Which I still haven't seen that either. Oh, well, but Gundam the Origin is uh, I'm waiting fantastic. for that whole show. I'm waiting for the it, whole it's show. It's only going to be like, th- I think it was three episodes, and maybe they expanded out to four. I can't remember, but... The problem is I always forget that Daisuke exists. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Yeah. Well, now that One Punch Man has come out and yeah. become a hit, people kind of are aware of the name Daisuke. Maybe they're not aware that it's a website, but they're right. at least aware that there is something out there called Daisuke. Yeah. They are very lucky to get what I think is the show of the year, One Punch I, Man. Al- so. Also, I unfortunately haven't watched Soul of Gold yet, the new Saint Seiya Yes, Um, Uh, that's also, again, the the new art style, still extremely crazy, but very faithful to like that Saint Seiya feel. Oh, and one show that I did watch all of this year and that proved over and over again that if you want money, if you want real 
fucking money to be pumped into your show. You want fuck money. Fuck money. Real fuck money. <laughs> you have to go after the free-to-play games market. That was oh, uh, show by rock. Oh, show by show rock. By rock. Oh, yeah, so Bahamut that, was last year, right? 2014. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, Show by Rock, another very nice-looking show. A lot of yep. fun. A lot, of, a lot more fun than I thought a show that was done by the same company that does uh, Hello Kitty. Yeah, Sanrio. Right. Sanrio. So it's not like fresh off of our stint making Ringing Bell, let's make <laughs> Show by Rock and, and just blindside everybody one more time. No, this is, this is more about what you'd expect from the studio that gives Yeah, a little Hello bit Kitty. more. It doesn't have as much money as Bahamut had. Holy fucking shit, that show looked great. Yeah. But it's a very fun show. I think we're getting more of it soon. I think so. I'm hoping that we'll see more of the side bands. I know some of it's tricky because a lot of the bands in the game, the music is real bands that they licensed. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine we probably won't see much of those bands or at least hear much of their music but i'm hoping that at least like some of the other ones that were made for the game like i hope at least we get the sentai band in the next season hmm yeah would be nice and i hope they get the license the to band. a lot of that yeah quickly explain what show by rock is about because it is about music bands and the free-to-play game you're referring to is a rhythm game correct yes it's a rhythm game the story is kind of whatever, but this really shy girl. It's a very 80s storyline, I would say. Yeah, it's, I was about to say, like, <laughs> it's almost like part Last Starfighter, part Tron. She wants to be a musician, but she's really shy. And so she can't really talk to people or she doesn't know how to, like, get involved in it. And she's playing the game and she gets sucked into the world of the game and becomes an adorable cat girl. So she's not trapped in the MMO, is she? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, sort of, but yeah, it's much better than I think any of those other shows, although I haven't watched Log Horizon. But she ends up joining a band in the game world, and there's a dastardly plot being hatched by villains in the game world, and they attacking with these monsters, and so they have to fight with the power of their rocking out. It's a very silly, fun storyline. Yeah. Very fun show. I enjoyed pretty much beginning to end. Let me name a couple of these shows that I just watched a little bit of that were either kind of shit or good that I just want to get back to. The, I was hoping Marvel Disc Wars would have been better than it was. <laughs> oh, God. That show was, was really that bad. Was this year? That was this year. That was a really shitty show. Yeah, and it was one of those things where there was a huge amount of crossover coverage of it because it's a Marvel cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. and it's the Marvel thing that people aren't going to see. And this one's going to have Spider-Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy and all the things that all these things appear in, in your movies and whatever. And it had the worst character designs. Awful it character had... designs. Oh. And then like... The pacing was terrible. Like, the first four episodes could be one episode. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, yeah. It was one of those Nothing things happened. where they really wrote it for very young children. It was, like, beyond, like, Marvel Superhero Squad levels of simplicity. Yeah. And people were just like, fuck anime. This is, like, the best part of it up were the titans who stuck with that show who would eventually like find the funny clips yeah post <laughs> screenshots of like deadpool is now in this episode or whatever right you know? so it was very Child disappointing friendly deadpool everybody yeah. <laughs> and then there were other shows that i would watch maybe an episode of and realize there is no reason to watch this like i think i watched an episode of triage x i watched okay, an I episode <laughs> of bikini warriors i watched an episode uh, yeah, some of those titty shows like Valkyrie Drive. You're not going to get me to believe that you only watched one episode of the titty shows, but 
<laughs> oh, you will. Bl- there is no reason to watch these shows in the streaming format because they're they're just they're like all, all this white blur of yes. clouds. You got to wait for the Blu-rays. Got to put out that fuck money. These shows are really bad shows. Like most of them are really bad shows. The only reason you would watch them is for the nudity. And when you don't even see the nudity, there's very little left. It's like not even the comedy the is like it's usually very bad comedy. Yeah. Like Bikini Warriors had some potential in terms of just being a silly comedy, but the show was one of the worst animated shows I've ever seen. With a show called Bikini Warriors, you would think that it would be a bit more self-aware, but no. Right, that but was it's like... really just like, all it is is just proof that you don't need a show, you don't need writing, you don't need characters, you need character design. And that's, that's all you all. need to sell merchandise, that's all you need to get people to cosplay. They'll fill in the rest with whatever they want. You need just a character design, and then like a single personality trait, like this person doesn't like to help, or this person's lazy, or you know, whatever. And then you're off to the races. That's the lesson of shows like that. But as far as like a great show... That I actually, I'm not going to talk about it too much right now because I'm going to review this probably in about March or so. And the reason I say that is because by then, all of the manga to date will be out in the United States. But there was a really great anime, 20, um, I think it was 24 episodes. It was the anime adaptation of Food Wars Shokugeki no Soma, which is sort of like, you know, my current obsession at the moment. Uh, the Shonen Jump series. Right now, the manga is simul-published in Shonen Jump. We get it at the same time as the Japanese do. It sort of seems like, you know, you look at the box covers and you think, like, this is a show that's, again, another of those shows like Bikini Warriors or whatever, like some flimsy premise and the excuses to, like, see women in various states of undress. And really, there's certainly that element of it for, like, certain shots. But yeah. by and large, it is, like, the Iron Chef or, yeah, you know, Yeah, it's Mr. like Yakitate Japan. Yeah, yeah Yakitate yeah. Japan. But it's also, like, a super well-done shonen convention sort of show mm-hmm. it's one of those things where the way the simul pubs tend to work is here's where japan's at and then they'll start releasing the collected volumes to catch us up we'll be caught up with the gap in about a month or two and that's when i'll review it just because i think then people can start at the beginning and get all the way up to the current point this first tv series it ends in the middle of competition or whatever. So obviously there's going to be a season two. Sure enough, season two starts in about April, the next season. It's not a gangster scenario where, <laughs> where you just never know. We're you just get never anymore. know what's going to happen. Go read the manga. No, it's just like they knew for sure this was coming out. It was going to continue so they could afford to end it where they did. So it seems to be going under the radar. I think it's a really well done anime adaptation and uh, we'll go into that at a later date. But I do just want to uh, bring it up just because that'll be one to look out for in 2016 when mm. and, uh, we ever get to this sort of thing. Yeah. Similarly, right now I've got writing assignments and so I don't want to talk too much about this because I actually have to write about it, but Iron-Blooded Orphans, the new Mobile Suit Gundam TV show. Has anybody seen any of this? I only watched we a couple s- episodes. Watched a couple of episodes. Didn't seem bad. I don't feel like I got enough of a taste and the feelings online are really divided on the show. It's one of those things where the Gundam fan base is very impossible to satisfy. Iron-Blooded Orphans, I think, is the best example of like how to do a modern Gundam show because my problem with a lot of these modern shows, I mean, you can go all the way back to like our earliest episodes and I viewed like the end of Gundam Sea Destiny, which I'm still mad about all these years later, is just how ill thought out they are as far as plotting how like they just make shit up and it's all about just being shocking and crazy and weird and that begat like this whole sunrise type of show where you get like your code geass and your guilty crown and cross ange kind of shows right where it's just like crazy shit happens one episode to the next it'll be shocking and out of your mind but none of it actually really makes logical sense iron-blooded orphans is not really that 
There's definitely a lot of pretty characters and aesthetically pleasing sorts, but I think the show is just better constructed and better put together. Again, show is not over yet because it's a Gundam show and these things tend to run long. I could end up being completely wrong. It could end up being uh, like something else that uh, we may end up talking about in this year to come, Gundam Double O, which you know I'm on the hook for, as I said. That starts off one way, and then it has this weird turn, and <laughs> that makes people like very highly divided over it. So far, that it's interested. It takes chances. It's not like super confined to like this is how it must be because this is Gundam. I've got hopes for it. And the problem is, is like the last time I had hopes was the beginning to see destiny. And then that turned into what that show was. Right. So I can't fully put my cart behind it, but it's going to be better than Gundam Recognista in G, which was the 2015 Gundam show. Iron blooded orphans also started last year, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Reconquista and G was Tomino's show, which again is this magnificent train wreck of a, a television program, <laughs> uh, the likes of which nobody has ever seen before. And all the interviews is like blaming everybody but himself for why the show is bad. And the ultimate yep. message of the show is war's kind of bad, guys. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe think about kind of like how Terror and Resonance, which is not a 2015 show, it's like starts off super promising, and then the message of it is you know terrorism kind of bad, guys. Okay, don't do terrorism. Man, the people that sat through Recognista... In, R- Although isn't Recognista that sort of NG. always the thing of Gundam is that, you know, war is bad and adults suck because adults cause war? But it's how awesome you can say that. Yes, That's what it's matters. how, like, cool okay, shit I can see. blow up and how, like... <laughs> badass you can be while saying how bad war is or you know Gundam Thunderbolt or it's just like these fucking assholes keep shooting me (laughs) it's like every Bond movie is the rich guy is an asshole yes but it's how much you make him suffer along the way. Right. Mm. Yeah, there were a bunch of things that came out that I didn't get to watch. Rikongista in G was one yeah, of them. Yeah, that's a show that almost nobody likes. Transformers I... Q, I wanted to watch, but I never did. There's no subtitles for it. Yurikuma yeah. Arashi, I wanted to watch that, never that got one, to it. That one, I actually feel guilty that we didn't bring it up earlier as far yeah. as like this major show. I that know, is... I feel really bad because I love Ikuhara and I just, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I need to watch that. It's not even that long and I need to do that. Maria the Virgin Witch a show that nobody watched that was apparently great. Yeah, I heard it was good. Yeah. I've even thought maybe we should watch that at anime night because people have said such good things about it. Now, I haven't watched, but I think you watched it, Daryl, was uh, Death Parade. Yes. Death mm. Parade. I actually forgot that was 2015. Doesn't it is, yes. Like it's that old. Yeah. No, Death Parade was great and actually ties into a thing I sort of haven't talked about yet because Death Parade originally came up from the Anime Mirai Young Animator Training Project then they expanded it out into a full show because the original short was called Death Billiards. The premise of it is basically like anytime two people die, they get sent to like this purgatory and the purgatory is like, you know, a bar and the bar is run by a guy who looks very suspiciously like the main character from Mushishi. Yeah, I always get confused because I always think it's the Mushishi guy. Yeah, like basically Kaiji-esque a scenario because you have to play the game to determine, you know, who goes to hell or, you know, oh. who's, you know, gets sent back to the land of the living in reincarnation form. And the game is billiards or, you know, whatever it is, like Death Parade, because each episode now you're playing a different game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody's life's on the line and like, and so it's really well animated and really interesting. And I liked it a lot. Madhouse does good work. 
I'm glad that it came out and it, it's just the right length. 12 episodes long, easy show to watch because it's not like it's that impossible storyline or whatever to, to follow each time. It's like, okay, think up some bullshit game to like bet right. your soul over and you get like the not quite Darby JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> sort of things. Then over time, like they start to get a little more into it. But no, I think the point is that it's also a thing from a up and coming new talent and so that is a really valuable thing as far as the Anime Mirai project. I think one of the great things of 2015 was the Animator Expo shorts. So those were great. Those were some of the best animation. Some that of the you best saw animation you'll see of the year. A lot of new talent, a lot of established talent, and this ties back into Ninja Slayer as far as Akira Amamiya. Was Hammerhead from this year? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hammerhead was from this year. Me, me, me was as well, I believe. Yeah, the thing is, is, like, the trouble with me, me, me is that it overshadowed everything else. Like, yes. the whole, like, uh, Animator Expo, it's like people, like, ignored it in favor of me, me, me. Because that me, is me, me was great, but I mean, tits and all that kind yeah. of stuff like that. And so I can understand why people got into it. Wasn't that the first one? No. Or one of the. It wasn't it because was like I did maybe eight or nine or something. Really? Because like no one was talking about any of the shorts before that one came right, out. Right. Well, that's the point is like all anybody really paid attention to was me, me, me. Right. Yeah. Hammerhead was fantastic. Trigger made a lot of great ones. Like they made like a Gridman one. Was that the one where it was the beta cassettes or was no, that No, that was one? Cassette Girl and Cassette, cassette Girl was, was one great. of my favorites. Yeah, Cassette Girl was great. I think that's like this phenomenal integration of like CG and 2D animation, which is like that's how they should do it from now on. Don't do this 009 Recyborg shit. Look at Cassette Girl. That's the way to do it. But yeah, a lot of the attention to this was because Studio Kara kind of oversaw a lot of this. So some of them were sort of Evangelion related. But no, Gridman was a Sentai show from back in the day that came out here as like, I don't know, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad or some bullshit like that. And some guy said, I'm going to make me a Gridman tribute. Just like some like crazy thing to do. And then Trigger made one with the people arguing over like all the different crises in the end of the world. And they also did like, we don't have the rights to Penny and Stocking with Garter Belt anymore because Gynax has. So we'll do sex and violence with mock speed. Yes. It's <laughs> like completely raw and inappropriate to show anywhere. And then, of course, since uh, Anno had some involvement somewhere, they did like the Ultraman one. I do appreciate that basically it seems like they just said, okay, you have five minutes. Do whatever you want. Anything you want. You can do whatever, sexual, violence, whatever. Right. So the one I always actually would choose for this at panels throughout the year, I always picked Icon Friday by Day as like my example of like what the Animator Expo is about. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm. All of them tend to have a really cool animation, like catchy song, like, you know, some talented people working on them who maybe you don't see necessarily always get the chance that they usually are given for these shorts. That was why I always was a fan of anthology type things. And maybe that's like the biggest sort of thing I could say against the Animator Expo is that unlike something like a robot carnival or a short piece or animation or something, there is no uh, unifying theme across these shorts. It's just like 30 some, however many, I think 35, whatever it is of just like, do whatever you want, go for mm-hmm. it. That's cool to me also. But yeah, they used to be online. I think they may have been taken down at this point. I don't know if you can see them anymore through the legal streams, but they were putting them up in the English subtitles and all that. And I hope that they put out a DVD or Blu-ray of all of them, because yeah. that would be really neat. It would be really that. great. I think Blu-rays, to me, it seems like these things must have been made in high definition. Yeah. Right. 
couple of other things I just want to bring up. Hitalia was notable because more animation came out and no one talked about it. I would have thought that that would have gotten some more traction, but I guess the Hitalia-like flame of the fan base has kind of burned out a bit. Same thing with Code Geass. We got a bunch of Code Geass specials. You know what it is? It's that they came out as OAVs and a big part of the the audience... (laughs) Yeah, how are you going to see OAVs if there's no simulcast for these things and there's no US release for it? So Akito the Exile, those were direct-to-video. There is no video release. There is no stream put out. There is no pirate group there to rip said stream and immediately post it when it comes out. So it's very hard for there to be this fan base for it because there's yeah, no not as much to... stuff is getting fan subbed anymore because so much stuff is legitimately streaming yeah people don't know how to fan sub by and large i have to go back and relearn it because something came out that i want to see the first city hunter anime in uh, angel heart right named city hunter not like angel heart like the first city hunter anime that's been done in 25 years was done last year as a, a promotion for some of the manga i would like to see that as well but i don't know how I will ever see that. A couple of other things. Clarissa never mentioned her favorite show of the year. Waka Kozake? No. Oh. Uh, I was actually just about to mention Waka Kozake when I got a chance. Go for it. So Waka Kozake is great because it's like one of those things that kind of sums up the type of stuff that can get made in Japan that just you wouldn't probably ever see made here, which is these little animated shorts about this lady who works in an office, and it's basically just about her getting off of work and going to a restaurant or a bar somewhere and eating really delicious food and drinking usually a beer or sake or something. And it's just like this amazing food porn and just her thinking about how good the food is and quietly judging other people and then going, pshoo! <laughs> Yeah, most of these are live-action Japanese shows over there. It's usually like an actual yeah. show where they and have they a guy go to a restaurant. And they do live-action. Yeah, and, and stare intently and be like, this food is so good. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> these shows that run for years just based on that. Right. I would say it's roughly 25% of Japanese television. Yeah, and again, yeah. like it's another one of those short shows the episodes are you know not very long at all so it's real easy to just kind of sit down and either watch them all back to back or just watch them here and there between other stuff it's a fun little show and it it is a show that i watched and i was like only japan only japan would come up with an animated show like this see i feel like they need to like advertise that to like the foodie crowd and i wonder if maybe they could somehow like get some traction for some of the more serious food related stuff out there hmm. i wonder if the foodie crowd would watch an animated show about food yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't I know just w- I, it's just one of those things where, like the drops of god didn't catch on and the sports fans wouldn't watch like the thing that wasn't the actual sport you know it's hard right. to to gauge that yeah. on the other hand all the wine people insist on the movie sideways or whatever <laughs> But the, the show I was mentioning was, was the show, Daryl, we got Bikini Warriors and Clarissa got Pillow Boys. But Pillow Boys so. sucked. <laughs> so did Bikini, Bikini Warriors, Warriors also sucks, to be fair. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this show, which is actually kind of creepy to watch. I guess the idea is that it's based on like a phone app where you would put these guys next to your bed. And so they would like hum you to sleep or whatever. Again, Japan, I can't believe they made a show like this. Another show that they made that should have been better than it was was Dragon Ball Super, and that's I attribute that to Toei. the fact that Toei cannot Toei is the fucking cheapest put, fucking company. 
I cannot yeah. fucking believe they will not put money into the show. It looks like shit. I was so excited for Awkward Dad Vegeta. Akira Toriyama in interviews is talking about how they need to make Dragon Ball Super better. That's how really? bad it is. That the Japanese creator will come out in the interview and be like, listen, this live action movie was shitty and they should rewrite it and they didn't listen. You know, all this kind of stuff. And like, that's how like fearless Akira Toriyama is that yes. he can right. come out and say this stuff. Because what well, are they going to do to him? He's probably so rich. Yeah. Well, it takes, you know, 35, 40 years of being the top selling guy forever to do that. And yeah. Right. I'm so disappointed because Resurrection F wasn't like the best looking anime of the year, but it was pretty good looking, decent enough. But man, the TV show Dragon Ball Super is garbage. That's why I'm really glad that some of these other Shonen Jump type titles like One Punch Man are going to other studios. Yeah, because oh, like Toei. Just imagine like if Toei had done One Punch Man, it would be such trash. It would be garbage. It, I mean, like you know. yeah. JC Staff is doing Food Wars, and so I think like they tend to do very good work. Yeah, they uh, do. Pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, every episode of One Punch Man is fantastically animated. Like, every well, yeah, I mean, moment. they got a bunch of up-and-coming, really, really great animators to work on it. And so... Yeah, a lot of people from Space Dandy worked mm-hmm. on that show. Yeah, yeah it shows. got the band back together. It was great. Another show, I will not talk about this very much because i'm going to review this but we did get the second season of knights of sidonia yes on netflix and so a decent amount of people saw this one because yes the importance of availability the availability the ease of availability and the ease of the curation that it would show up and i think this is like a big thing for anime Mm -hmm. that now netflix recommends anime not just in the anime category but if you say action or sci-fi anime things will show up in the sci-fi category and that to me is gigantic yeah, and I think that's, like, there's a lot of stuff maybe that they can't get it on network television. I think Netflix is going to be the place it needs to get to. It just needs to get to where people will see it. Where and people right. I will see it and recommend it in a way, because it's like, yeah, yeah, lots of things show up on Hulu, but it's very difficult to find things that you aren't already familiar with. Nobody will Hulu. watch anything on Hulu unless they have to. <laughs> well, like, you, the thing is, so you can't... find a thing you never saw before. Right. Well, it's also like, I don't want to pay for Hulu because... I don't like what you get basically for paying. Yeah. And you can't use the apps if you don't have a paid account. Right. So if I need to watch anything on Hulu, I can't watch it like via my PS3 on the TV like I do with Netflix and Crunchyroll. I have to like sit at my computer and watch it. But I will talk about Knights of Sidonia in greater detail in an episode or two at most. Although that does remind me I should watch Glitter Force. <laughs> oh, Glitter Force is great. Yeah, Glitter way. Force is, is the, the Heim Saban triumph of doing a show. It's, it's, it's pretty cure. Done the classic Heim Saban way. I do wish that we would get the original Japanese because it is cl- the idea of like, just let's strip it out and make it, you know, international. Right. But it, it is a Mary Elizabeth McGlynn dub. And she is in the dub. It's very funny to hear these, like, really cute, high-pitched girls' voices. And then Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is herself. (laughs) Yes, with her very deep, sexy voice, just being the teacher out of nowhere. And I also want to mention the finest anime of the year, I think you'll all agree, were the Neon Genesis Evangelion chick commercials that they did halfway through the year. Yeah, with the Gendo, you know, (laughs) ditching the beard. What about um, that DBZ Ford commercial? The DBZ, was, there are multiple DBZ Ford commercials. The real ones in Japan were like the DBZ Cup Noodle, but I think that may have preceded Resurrection F. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm sure we didn't mention like a couple things that were just like still running and got like second seasons. Like, weren't you guys watching Ace of Diamond? We were. I don't know if we'll pick it back up. But Ace of Diamond is a very long show. You were also watching Tokyo Ghoul, right? Yes. 
We watched the first season of that. Pretty good ending. Well, the second season was this year, right? Yeah, second season yeah. was this year. I mean, the ending of Tokyo Ghoul, the first season was basically last 45 seconds of the show matter. The whole rest of it is just people being tortured. But yeah, I... I don't know if I'd go that far. But... Tokyo Ghoul was... Because <laughs> that is the hottest... We, we should mention for posterity's sake, for people who listen to this years ago... Uh, the hottest properties now. It's basically this consistent New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. like, only beaten out by One Punch Man. And it's like one of these things where I don't really know people who are, like, super fanatical about Tokyo Ghoul, but I think it's, like, really big among teenagers. And while we're old... I think part of it is... It's not a bad show. Let me get that straight. It's not bad. But... It's interesting. It's also that the costumes and the designs for it are very interesting yeah and i think when you put that on a cover of a manga or or a disc or something or a poster people just look at that and they that's cool i don't know yeah. quite what it's about i want to know what it's about yeah that's the power of like the really good character design and yeah mm-hmm. that mask in tokyo ghoul yes is an that example mask. of that really cool character design you don't really need to know anything about what's going on you can just see that and be like there's something about that that's neat i'm gonna pick this up and check it out like the last design i thought about that that wasn't anime that i kind of saw that got that opinion of was the new Spider Woman, the Gwen Stacy Spider Woman? Like, oh uh, you don't yeah, need to know Spider Gwen. Like, it's it's such an incredibly good character design that you're like, oh wow, this is cool. Let me see what what's going on here. It's one of those sorts of things. And I think yeah. Tokyo Ghoul is really. I think we can contribute most of the success to that mask, just to people picking it up from that cover, from that design. And then finding out that it's about torture and eating people. <laughs> Much like we can attribute all of the success of Burn Up to that one armor design on the cover of Burn Up. Like, if we go back, you know... I think there's actually some itself. more substance to Tokyo Ghoul once you actually start... <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying is that the initial, the initial catch... Right. The right. initial catch is the same. I will confess, after 10 years of this podcast, that I, I never watched Burn Up until after this podcast started. I did not watch it growing up. I don't think I've ever watched it at all. <laughs> Burn Up is garbage, all of it. And I only watched it for the, to get, like, panel clips. Right. Every single thing ever done of Burn Up ever was garbage. The best one was the very first thing that was ever done, and that was still... Have another lad anima. Yeah. That, that was, was like the Matt Greenfield <laughs> dub yeah. rewrite of Champions. And that was still not that good. That's um, uh, some good action in scenes. in review index and find out all about what we said about Burn Up back when we reviewed it on this very podcast... Back in 2008. Yeah. I had not seen Wicked City when the podcast started. I had watched it later mm. after the podcast got going. So that was another one. There were a lot of ongoing things. Like the third season of Kuroko's Basketball was uh, in 2015, which we just reviewed that. Shirobako ended. Yeah, I did watch and everyone cried a lot. Uh, I did watch the second season of the Unlimited Blade Works anime, which, I mean, pretty much, you know, it's a... We need to resurrect Aaron and Noah, who have died ever since their (laughs) child was born. They're no longer existing. And we should get them to review Fate Stay Night uh, with Gerald. (laughs) (laughs) That that would be entertaining. It's, I mean, it's a UFOTable Fate adaptation, so... So it's not the Studio Dean champion... No, no. It looks gorgeous. I still don't like any of the Fate Stay Night as much as Fate Zero. I think Fate Zero is far superior. But Unlimited Blade Works, I think, is rather better than the route that they did for the original, like, shitty anime, because it's more about Rin. But it's also got, you know, some of the incomprehensible nonsense. And... It's because it's what it's adapted from yeah, and what people yeah. are demanding to have retained. What there needs to be is the suggestion I saw today, which is a drunk history show but explaining the Type Moon series. 
Yeah. That I would watch. Yeah, yes, I already did that. be hosted by Alan Mendez. Maybe, like, if we did a Patreon, that should be our, like, subscriber thing is, like, some kind of, you know, drunk history-esque. <laughs> that would have to be a very high up thing there because it would take a lot for me to willingly get drunk and then Oh, no, no, I wasn't up. assuming we would be the ones getting drunk. I was assuming we'd, like, get other get people Graham to do it. and Amanda and them to... Well, right, because, I mean, the hosts state. of Drunk History aren't the ones who are drunk. It's, you know, the people that they have on there oh yes yeah that's an idea although i would be willing to get you drunk for money (laughs) if they gave me enough money but uh yeah type moon something that just seems to separate me from everybody else yeah but no it was pretty good how many things are remaining on your lists is like noteworthy things as opposed to things you happen to watch and not like but like what would be something that could the biggest meme of the year which uh i only watched one episode of just out of curiosity which is is it wrong to pick up girls in the dungeon which is a completely average shitty show that boob string just that blue string became the meme It, it i saw mexican newspapers that were talking about that show <laughs> That was how big a meme that became. Yeah. Holy shit. So basically, shit. the premise of the show, it's no offense to Neil Nadelman, who had to like, translate this whole thing, is that it's a typical like bullshit gamer light novel thing, which is stands out because the main girl has fairly large titties, but they are like held together for maximum deep cleavage action by not a bra, not like, you know, any sort of impractical binding that we've been used to seeing, but no, it is a blue string ribbon underneath the hooters that are tied together tightly. And this is going to hold up and keep those titties firm and fuckable. It's a poor lady's uh, push-up bra, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very poor ladies push-up bra. That is literally the only thing. That was the hook of the show. That's all yes. it took to sell it and make it like a hit And yeah, in Japan and sell a lot of merch and get a lot of play everywhere. Yeah, it became a thing everywhere because I don't think anybody had thought of putting a string under their boobs before. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, Gerald, so I have to ask, like, you're the big Sherlock Holmes fan. So I have to ask you what you thought of Vampire Holmes. I have not seen Vampire Homes. You didn't watch Vampire Homes? I'm disappointed. I, to, I was I hoping to... that it would be kind of similar to, like, Vampire in Brooklyn, only this time, <laughs> to, you know, with like, Hispanics, like, oh, Vampire Homes, man! You know, that's racist. <laughs> oh, jeez. It is racist. I'm in South Florida. I can do whatever I want. I uh, um, th- there is a lot I, of there's a lot of homes related stuff coming out. I, yeah, I'm sure purely due to public domain and also just yeah the BBC show is so big like it's huge around the world. Yeah, right? so I think the next thing you need to re- review you should review Vampire Homes, but I think also we need to get you to review Milky Homes. Yes. Oh my um. god, I should do that in one show. Just and and I should talk about both shows at the same time. <laughs> So that no one has a fucking clue. So, right. But yes, that's uh, a lot of home stuff. I'm, yeah. Even if most of it's bad, it means at least Holmes is out there. <laughs> I know the other thing that I feel really bad that I haven't gotten around to yet was uh, Sound Euphonium, um, yes. which looked really gorgeous, and I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I know everybody was kind of raving about that one. It had some nice mecha designs, really nice mecha designs. Um, uh, no, Gerald. Symphonium no, is you're making the same mistake that I made. No, I'm joking. I mixed up gear. No, I'm joking because they had such incredibly detailed tubas in tubas, that show. That's right. Musical I'm joking. <laughs> you're you're not correct. getting the joke, Gerald. No, no. I think you fucked up, but you covered for it as the way I covered for it. 
the exact same way. But yes, Simple Gear GX also came out this year. It's another satellite yeah. show. We just started the first season of that, which is pretty awesome so it's far. Pretty awesome. yes. It's pretty awesome. Again, it's one of those things where... In the wake of Macross Frontier, and then they made AKB 0048. Originally, AKB 0048 was like, let's make Macross without Macross. And it's like, okay, we've got the AKB 48. We'll tie it in that way. And it was awesome. And and it was great. And then Simple Gear was like, okay, let's make AKB 0048 without the AKB 48. We'll do our own thing. And it was awesome. And then they just kept making a new season of this every year. And so Simple Gear GX is the third season of it. And yeah, it's still cool as hell and it's like yeah you got like uh, your idol crew and they're you know fighting the aliens and they're you know. singing Eurobeat while fighting mm-hmm. the aliens so somebody uh, on Twitter described it as like the fast and the furious of magical girl series which I think is is probably apropos. like the best tagline yeah, <laughs> you we, could probably we, use to advertise that show we're watching that at anime night we skipped it the last week or two but we need to pick it back up but yes we do have one person attending our anime night who vehemently hates all idol anime and so it's don't want to make them too upset but Symphogear is great super super great i'm loving the show again all these macros like shows with idol singers it's quite funny to see them getting this resurgence We've hopefully covered the noteworthy shows of 2015 in the span of about two hours, give or take. Robot Girl Z yeah. did, did come out again. I was always of two minds about Robot Girl Z. Like, I always thought, like, do I like this or does this just make me, like, upset that they made this instead of something cool? Mm. It's very mean-spirited, the original one. I, I will confess I did not watch the new season. Did you watch the new season of it? I don't think we've watched the new season yet. Yeah, I haven't heard much buzz about it either way. Also, so- uh... We were watching this other show, Lovely Muko-san. It would be Daryl's worst nightmare because it's about a dog. <laughs> it's a thing that I didn't know that there was this like big franchise behind this dog named Muko. And this is actually like the third series or something. It's a real dog. Yes, it's a real dog. It's much uh, like uh, Muko like has Maru. a Twitter account. Yeah, it's like Maru yes. uh, or and like Grumpy Cat, you know. Yeah, something uh, like that. And But it's not like the real deal modern day you know, we're going to make something out of the dog and have like, you know, the live action pet and then CG a moving human mouth kind of style. No, <laughs> thank God. No, like it's the, all the from... Russell Madness action, the Air Buddies. <laughs> like, the, the future, like the contemporary Air Bud installments are like, you know, the dogs can talk. Well, yeah, Gerald, you watched that Christmas one, didn't you? Santa Buddies? Holy shit. Holy shit. I watch some bad shit when Christmas comes around. Holy shit. But Muko-san... I mean, the dog talks, but it's all Garfield style. It's all inside its head. But it's not even Garfield, and that Garfield is aware of the world. Muko thinks like a dog. Very, very popular sort of franchise in Japan, I suppose. Still continuing to this day. What else was there? Well, there were certainly plenty of other things, because again, we maybe, of all the stuff that we talked about, this is probably not even 25%. No, Miss Monochrome. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Miss Monochrome was continuing. That's a great show. Did anybody watch God Eater? I haven't. God Eater was this thing that nobody could see because it kept getting delayed month after month after month, because, like, I don't know, like, the hardest thing in the world is to animate those pleat skirts, which I'm convinced is the only reason that God Eater exists for all these games (laughs) and all that, is that you have, like, the sexy girl in the pleat skirt and, like, the giant weapon. And and the hat to go with it is like okay we can we can make this thing go on forever but yeah like you know you want to talk about Blood Blockade Battlefront having its last episode delayed like God Eater puts everything to shame as far as like we aren't even gonna try and like meet the TV deadlines and whatever we put out is still like not even gonna be like that worth the wait from what I heard from everyone oh boy I mean the only thing I know about God Eater 
is what I have seen from and Project, Project Cross, Cross Zone. Zone. That's so. how, how anyone first knew about God Eater in the first place. Is that okay? We got these these two characters here, and so yeah, we haven't even scratched the surface of all the stuff that came out. But I think we basically got into most everything that was noteworthy or significant. Yeah, I um, think maybe the most noteworthy thing that we didn't mention at all was probably um, heavy object. Oh yeah, he- heavy. <laughs> who can forget? <laughs> who can forget heavy object? Not, I, I was gonna say that the uh, animated adaptation of Assassination Classroom started. Oh yes, and Assassination Classroom is a very popular uh, jump series. Has also been made into like movies and stuff like that. And the premise is something that just makes the PTA in America throw a fucking fit because it's all about. <laughs> Kids training to kill their teacher. Awesome. With guns and knives and stuff like that. That, you know, again, in Japan, they're, they're special plastic guns and, you know, BB guns that only can hurt an alien, but they look exactly like a real gun. So the cover art of Assassination Classroom is kids with AR-15s, which could, uh, you know, happen in America just by looking in the newspaper. So if you guys had to pick one show is your show of the year, what would it be? I think I kind of opened with it. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be either One Punch Man or Blood Blockade Battlefront. You got to choose one. Got to choose one. I got to choose one. Um, I'll say Blood Blockade just because I knew everything that was going to happen in One Punch Man because I've been reading okay. the manga for years. And Clarissa, you? Oh, God. Uh... It's never fair to say you got to choose one. I know. That's uh, like... Because this year was a good year. It was a yeah. good year. Maybe One Punch Man? I don't know. It's tough, because I would probably say One Punch Man. I kind of want to say Osamatsu, though. Has Osamatsu ended? Uh, no, they just started the second season. Okay. If we said we can't choose One Punch Man or Blood Blockade Battlefront, what is your number one, then? Um, Assuming that your number one is One Punch Man. It's one of those. Okay. I yeah, think um. maybe My Love Story. Okay. And you, Daryl? Gotta think... Possibly as outrageous as it would be for me to say uh, strawberry flavor, Fist of the North Star. <laughs> That's kind of like. That's a great. It's so much fun. One like of these like high watermarks of like, I have to watch it as soon as it comes out kind of shows <laughs> like uh, how, you know, only a few shows can be. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, strawberry was great. I'll go with Umaru Chan because I enjoyed it so much. I really liked Gangsta, but the ending let me down too much. Yeah. So I would probably go with Umaru-chan, assuming, again, we knocked out One Punch Man and Blood Blockade as their number ones. But I will say, I will go for for many of these things that I mentioned, because there was just so many great shows that came out that were easily accessible. It's never been easier than ever before, but the thing is, that's also true for all other media. So anime still is having to to hit higher than its weight class to get out there yeah every single season every single year you see all over people saying oh my this god is this, is season, a, this is such a this is a bad season this is such a bad year out. there's nothing around there is always every season there is at least one or two good things to watch and every year there's at least one great thing we're not every year that we get the amazing show that will transcend years and people all over you know mediums will watch it we only get one of those maybe every like five to seven years but every year we get at least one great show. And I think this year was no exception. We got a lot of great shows. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, on that note, we can uh, bring our post 10th anniversary installment of the Anime World Order podcast 
to a close, once again, our website is at www.animeworldorder.com. If you would like to go there, leave a comment about what great noteworthy show we totally forgot to mention in this time because, hey, it's bound to have happened, right? Yep. Go ahead and leave us a comment. Or if the website is down, because the website's going to go down a lot, at least the blog, the podcasts will never go down. We'll also always be up and running is our email address. So you can send us an email at animeworldorder at gmail dot com let us know what you think next episode i i think you know i do need to actually be a person of my word and and live up to these these things that we said we were going to do and yeah i think it is going to have to be the time that all of us can gather together and unite in telling people that <laughs> we're just running in the 90s. Um, <laughs> it's the new way that we like to be as we talk. It's, that's not even in the season that we're reviewing because we are going to be talking about not just Initial D. We're going to specifically be talking about Initial D fourth stage. But in so doing, I will probably talk about the rest of Initial D because I've watched a lot more Initial D over the course of my life than I will care to admit until the next episode because we will be talking about that uh, series with the caveat that we were forced to watch this show by our listeners who love us so dearly and I will note that I have not really been going streaming video games lately partly because uh, Fallout 4 sat me of the will to live (laughs) I finally beat the game but it's one of those things it's like I spent like $150 on it and it's like the least enjoyable game that I ever spent more than $100 playing I had to play it for more than $100 because otherwise I, I would have been like robbed of the insane amount of money I paid for it. I know. I feel bad because I'm actually like, I know I need to go back to it because I was like sick for two really weeks, but I'm kind of. you back to it. Yeah. Right? I would totally agree with you guys. I've put way more hours into that than I should have, and it is the least enjoyable and stupidest game I've put that many hours into because Daryl and I have talked back and forth forever about why does this happen? Why is this completely fucking illogical thing happen here? My dad couldn't visit for his birthday. He was going to drive down, but the weather was too bad so we said we called and the majority of the conversation was him saying like why is Fallout 4 such bullshit? (laughs) And so that's what we talked about. I think you need to make a gaming podcast with your dad. With with my dad. (laughs) It it would be great. Um, But Yeah, I mean, it's just now that that's finally over and gone and, you know, some real games are coming out, like the new Torment's coming out, the new XCOM's coming out, the second Pillars of Eternity expansion. It's like, I'm going to have real games to play. But the thing is, like, I don't know what I can stream for people that will be compelling to watch or or talk about. Um, You know, I'm sure I I finally just now just got into the doggone Ron Paul. So my understanding (laughs) from talking to a few people who stream is that Anything you stream, it doesn't matter as long as there is, because that is literally like put in the background television for everybody who watches As long as you have something to say. That's why I wonder, like for text heavy games, if I need to read stuff out loud. I was going to read it out loud like I was like an audiobook narrator, but you know, I I was thinking about that approach. But anyway, you can go to our website. You can see all our Twitch channels are linked there now. We put that up uh, some time ago. Yes, I was sick for a couple weeks, but I'm trying to get back into streaming. Yeah, go ahead and follow us there. So As we talk about this, I'm streaming. Streaming, what's it 
Chrono Trigger. Oh, God. how inconsiderate that you've been streaming and doing the podcast simultaneously. But no, no, not right now. Oh, okay, I thought it was literally. <laughs> no, no, good lord, that would be terrible. No. Yeah, but anyway, uh, as far as other things that happened in the interim, uh, I did allude to the fact that I was a guest on the Greatest Movie Ever podcast, Anime Fun Time. We were talking about One Punch Man, so you can head on over to our website for the guest spots page you can click that and see all the guest podcasts that we've appeared on many of which no longer exist in the 10 years that we've been around <laughs> but gme is still around we have outlasted virtually all of the other anime podcasts out there look that is our only option if we can just outlast everyone else yes, then we the can win monkey island election. no matter how little money we have <laughs> then we can say we are the best anime podcast because there is no other yes anime. no matter yes. how unpopular and poor we are <laughs> It worked for Otaku USA magazine. It's now the only magazine about <laughs> anime around. Everyone else is is yes. gone. And so, uh, you know, on that note, the new issue is out. As I mentioned, I wrote about Prison School. I wrote about One Punch Man. I wrote about Mobile Suit Gundam. We interviewed Masaru Mariyama and Yasuaki Iwase, the head honchos at MAPPA. Please go and check that out over at otakuusamagazine.com to find out how to subscribe to that, either in print or in digital. In addition, I actually got an invite to write about professional wrestling for the cubed circle newsletter yearbook of 2015 and i actually didn't write about a specific wrestling topic i wrote about fandom and fandom behavior and perhaps if you go and read that i'll throw a link up there you may see some parallels to what you see a lot of anime fandom doing especially when the new season starts uh you may see this phenomenon happening what contributes to fan burnout these things are kind of what i talk about there it's not watching raw every week because i don't watch raw but all i see are people complaining about it's the same about this thing. That's and actually it, what my article is about. It's like, why are people spending so much time about watching something they know is so bad for this I, long I can't time? Believe it. And then when they give up, they give up entirely. It's, it's the DC Comics phenomenon. It's brand loyalty. And, and we see a very similar thing. And the reason is because they want to, to be sharing an experience in the now with a bunch of other people, much Whoa. like how when any new season of anime starts, you see a bunch of people just watching everything as it comes out constantly. And a lot of people who do that get burned out. They burn out on anime forever and right. they go to something else and then they have like a really anti-anime online attitude is because of that sort of thing. Anyway, I do know that sometimes, and this is usually happens more with like a particular show or something, but sometimes with like a, a company or like a brand, it can happen. It's sometimes there's this thing where it's like, it's bad and you know, it's bad but you keep sticking around because you keep hoping it will you get better. You keep hoping it'll get better. You remember a time when it was better and you're yeah. hoping for a better t glory day. You want this thing to improve. You don't want something else that you know is good now because you want this thing to be good. I understand that. Yeah. I go into it in the article. Go check it out. I'll link uh. to it on the website at AnimeWorldOrder.com. That's going to do it for us. Here's to us for sticking around on this antiquated medium that is the audio podcast for Japanese animation. Thank you all for sticking around for however many years you've been listening to us. It is duly appreciated. Yes. A couple of you that have been listening since the first episode. And so you guys are, are you know, our heroes because I wouldn't listen to us for this long. I would. <laughs> no. I no. And so <laughs> I, I would listen. Thank you all so much. Been a pretty cool 10 years. Yeah.